Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Good evening and welcome to Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall. As ever, alongside me, Gareth A. Davis, and also joining us in the studio tonight, Nick Pete. There's a lot to get through. Uh, you're going to hear the dulcet tones of Tyson Fury, Billy Joe Saunders, uh, and Carl Frampton on the show. We're also going to be talking to Joe Gallagher a little bit later on because one of his charges, Callum Johnson, is taking on a man branded a beast, Arta Better Beer, for the light heavyweight IBF championship of the world in October uh, lots of boxing chat lots of UFC and mixed martial arts chat and we want you to be involved with it as well the Twitter feed is well and truly open at TalkSport uh, you can give us a call in the studio if something takes your fancy you want to join that conversation 0871 uh, and you can text us as well 81089 uh, did you miss me boys hey did you it was seamless last week, wasn't it, Gareth? Oh, Absolutely seamless. I missed those dulcet tones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you sounded like you missed me as well, you two. You were having a right <laughs> loving last week, weren't you? We In, were. Inviting me mate Darren Barker to come and hang out with you. I saw what was going on. As soon as Catterall's not here, come on, get the, get the pizzas in, lads. Get the beers in. We'll have a party. That's what went down in the studio last week. It was a fantastic listen. I was listening to it on the uh, on the golden sands of Ibiza. Just keeping up to it. I liked uh, the chat last week about uh, fantasy see matchups Gareth by the way of uh, of uh, bygone eras yeah it was very interesting obviously Lord Hart of Harrow Colin Hart the, the doyen <laughs> of boxing writers in this country five decades writing about the sport he couldn't remove his his rose tinted spectacles oh, when yeah. we were discussing the possible uh, matchups the fantasy matchups between Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson and he and Darren really did go at it it was great fun but then me and Nick just we just had a gentle talk about MMA at the end of the show mm-hmm. and uh, everything was put to rights again and that's what we'll be doing again uh, this evening fight night the clues in the title anything uh, connected to fight sports on this show we are your home uh, for boxing here on TalkSport. We've got some fantastic live shows coming up. Amir Khan's come back in Birmingham. We're going to be at the AJ fight uh, at Wembley. And, of course, that World Boxing Super Series, super middleweight final between Groves uh, and uh, and Callum Smith, who I've tipped for the title, uh, as have you. And uh, Gareth's gone uh, maybe slightly towards Groves. I don't want to tempt him too yet to come to the Scouse side, but we'll get, we'll get him later on in the show, no doubt. Um, but all that's still to come and a lot to come this evening. Let's get into the big headlines of the week. Well, 
Well, the biggest headline of the week, without any shadow of a doubt, has come from an interview that my colleague Gareth A. Davis has done with the one and only Gypsy King himself, Tyson Fury. Gareth is on the road this week. You're going to hear that interview a little bit later on in the show. But the big headline that comes out of it for me, and Gareth will discuss this later on, is that Tyson Fury thinks that he's the greatest heavyweight that has ever lived. When that, when those words came out of his mouth, Gareth, did it take you back a bit? No, not really, because he's a very special guy and he's... Uh... He, he he's really, really believes in himself. And as we'll discuss later, the mindset is there right now. And he's gearing up, not just for Francesco Pianetta at uh, Windsor Park in Belfast next weekend, next Saturday night, but he really does want to fight with Deontay Wilde. And he's got to believe that he is the greatest ever, in my view, in, in his mind after 30 months away. Number two on the list is this. We saw Eddie Hearn announce his uh, first Matchroom USA card this week. And there's rumours knocking about that he's trying to sign two absolute monsters of the fight game. First one being Mikey Garcia, a new improved offer has gone into him to for Eddie to become his American promoter. And there seems to be a bit of a free-for-all uh, between uh, him, Bob Arum and a few others for a certain Filipino. Manny Pacquiao still up for grabs. Gareth, I know that you know Manny quite well. He's still a big pull, isn't he? And I'll tell you something, he could, pull, he could pull in some serious viewing figures for Eddie in America. Listen, he could also pull in Amir Khan for a fight, which is one I'd love to see. Manny Pacquiao is still a huge name in the sport, but very interestingly, Bob Arum flew to the Philippines this week and there are some quite uh, prominent pictures put out by top rank of Bob sitting there in discussion with Manny Pacquiao. I, look, a lot of people are saying that Eddie Hearn is not going to make a success in America with Matchroom USA, but you know what? He's going for the big guns and it is going to be a massive bun fight for the big names. Final big headline of the week. I thought I'd put a little bit of a joke in for you this week, lads. We've done two serious ones, but check this out. You know what I think of the WBA serious at times. Serious ones? Tyson saying he was the greatest. Oh, yeah, that's that serious. One. That's serious. That's serious discussion, right? The WBA, you know what I feel about those guys at this moment in time, right? Especially when you've already got champions aligned in various weight categories. We have WBA super champions. We have WBA uh, interim champions, regular champions, champions in waiting. I mean, God knows what that even means. Uh, but you're going to love this, gentlemen. The WBA have now sanctioned, this is a fight that's going on later this evening over in the States, BJ Flores. Do you remember him? He's the geezer that uh, Tony Bellew spanked all over the Echo Arena a couple of years back before the David Hay debacle. BJ Flores, Trevor Bryan, is now going to be for the interim WBA heavyweight championship of the world. Bear in mind, Manuel Char holds the regular belt and our very own Anthony Joshua holds the super belt. Discuss! Well, for a start, BJ Flores, since... He's not even heavyweight! How's he done that? by Tony Bellew inside three rounds, has beaten two guys with a combined 22 losses on the record. How does that equate anybody? Never mind a cruiserweight to mm. fight for the version of the, the heavyweight belt, even albeit an interim version. It's shocking and it kind of sums up where the WBA is right now. A little bit of a laughing stock in terms of fans. There you go. The big three stories of the week. Just on that last one there, Gareth. Mm -hmm. I mean, from a fan's point of view, if you're if you're on the motorway now listening to three blokes who, who follow boxing on a regular basis just uh, basically sound like they're sat in a pub talking nonsense. But you, you have Speak a vague yourself, interest. yourself, Catterall. Well, you know what I mean. I'm, we're all in it together, mate. We're all in no, it together. No, no, I do. I understand the sentiment. But, yeah. but there'll be people that may, maybe aren't too clued up on the world of boxing and think, right, who's the champ? Who's the main man? Okay, right, I get there's different, different sanctioning bodies. You've got a WBA, you've got a WBC, you've got an IBF and a WBO, right? I get all that, yeah. I, so who's the WBA champion? 
Anthony Joshua, Manuel Char, and maybe BJ Flores. That, that's it. Confuses everybody, doesn't it? No, it's it's. Uh, Nick put his finger on it just now. It, it's an utter disgrace what they've done. Um, he, there's no merit in this fight being called. Uh, a WBA title, and let alone at heavyweight. Um, as you say, we, we saw what happened to BJ Flores against Tony Bellew at cruiserweight, of yeah. course. Um, g- God knows what they're thinking. Um, they are they are making a mockery of too many world title belts anyway, but they're just making a mockery of the system. The only thing they can do right, in my view, is if you guys are right and Callum Smith does beat uh, George Groves and wins the WBA super yeah. title at super middleweight, they put him in with Rocky Field yeah, as soon as possible and they unify the regular and super belts and they start doing it in every other division. It's about mm. time they sorted themselves out. For everybody that is uh, a little bit confused, it is money talks. That's it. That's all yeah. I want to say. It's a money thing. Um, Gareth, now listen. Normally, when you're out and about on the road um, seeing various fighters, whether they be in the States or here in the UK, you go away, you do your interview, you bring back a little clip for us. Just a little clip, maybe a little 10 seconds, 30 seconds, one minute, something like that. Give, give us the essence of the interview, and then we'll sit in the studio and discuss it. However... You've gone and knocked about with Tyson Fury this week, and it's that flipping good. We've got to put 15 minutes of it out, mate. So that's coming up uh, in the not-too-distant future. In a couple of moments' time, so do stick around. You're going to hear Gareth uh, with Tyson Fury. Um, he, he seemed, from what I've seen of this interview, to be on top form this week. Yeah, he he is, and he, he's ready to fight. Um, you know, the, as as we as the three of us know, um, the Sefer Safiri comeback a couple of months back in Manchester was well, it was farcical in some ways, but it wasn't an opponent he could get kind of under, hot under the collar about a man who's who he's a foot taller than virtually mm. who had com, you know kind of competed largely at cruiserweight who was the only second best cruiserweight in his own country Albania to his brother um you know so no and these are facts so yeah. um you know against Francesco Pianetta in Belfast he's up against a guy who has twice fought for a world heavyweight title I still think he's rather a journeyman but mm. he's a six foot four 35 year old individual with a half decent record and he's someone to get his teeth into but the undercurrent of course is that he feels that he has stepped up to the plate in a great PR move in many ways for him by saying yeah I will take on Deontay Wilder this year in America and just kind of stoked a fire under um, uh, under Anthony Joshua and Eddie Hearn and just said to them, look, you guys should be fighting this guy right now. Lennox Lewis came out and said that. Yeah. In fact, I spoke to Lennox about 10 minutes on the phone, 10 minutes before I sat with uh, Tyson Fury in that Manchester hotel and I told him I'd spoken to Lennox and he really appreciated it. And I think, you know, what Tyson's done is he's got himself, his eyes were flashing, you know, the beard was bigger, the hair was trimmed short, um, there wasn't the he wasn't joking calling me Russell Crowe there was no joke about him I went in for a man hug at the end he pushed me off I rebounded off the wall I thought this guy's ready well we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna hear that interview in a, in a couple of months so do stick with us here on TalkSport and then we're obviously going to be discussing uh at the back end of that interview some of the things that have come out of it because as you've rightfully said he has called out Deontay Wilder he, he's the man that he's saying that he will step up to the plate and just to add a little bit of spice to it all Deontay Wilder will be in Belfast next week part of the commentary team uh it will be ringside and I think uh, there won't be anybody holding him back from getting himself in the ring at the end of it no matter what happens uh, so we could see some fireworks in Belfast could be an absolute cracker do stick with us this is fight night on talk sport Shot from Fury, and McDermott down for the second. 
healthy gears. Oh, great shot. Terrific right hand. That is a quality punch. What hurts is what you don't see. Oh, he's caught him with a solid left hand. And there's a little bit of a wobble from Chisora. He was off balance, and I think it's all over. It is. He's been pulled out by his corner. Safari has had enough. The fight is all over. Hey, I got a first-class ticket, and I'm as fly as a guy can be. When I was walking in London. Oh, lovely right from Tyson oh. Fury again. Brad Hook's got him, and he is out. The Brazilian there. All three scores to the winner by unanimous decision. From the United Kingdom. I can't beat Pianetta and may as well bend over and let him call me his That's how easy it's going to be. I'm going to smash Pianetta's face in and then I'm going to make a statement to Wilder and if he's ringside, I'm sure he'll have something to say on the night and I'm sure we can sort it out live in front of the nation. The one and only Tyson Fury. <laughs> Back in action next week, August 18th, Windsor Park is the destination. Uh, he caught up this week with our very own Gareth A. Davis. And Gareth uh, started that conversation by asking Tyson his thoughts on offering to take the Wilder fight so soon after his comeback. So if I'm as good as I think I am, if I'm this great everywhere and I keep saying, then I, sh- I only need two fights to not to come back. And whether I'm ready or not, I'm doing this to put British boxing, take the shame away from it. Because we've got one idiot there, chiselled out of stone, who's afraid of his own shadow, who wouldn't take the fight with Wilder, and he's made British boxing a laughing stock, completely in the heavyweight division. So You feel I, he should have gone over there, taken that 50 minutes. He should have took the fight. Yeah, he should have took yeah. the fight. Regardless, wouldn't lose a draw. Yeah. He should have took the fight. If he's a fighting man, mm. he should have took the fight, but he didn't. So I have to step in and, and fill the boots because that's what I do. And I ain't afraid to fight anybody in anybody's backyard, as I showed with Germany, everywhere I've ever been, Canada, Ireland, everywhere. Everywhere I've ever been, I've had to go over and beat their champions. And that's what I do best, I beat their bums. At the end of the day, they're all bums anyway. Bum cities. I've said it time and time again. If I can't beat Wilder and Joshua on the same night, I'm a bum too. You heard it here first. Not only am I the best boxer, I'm the best talker, the best mover, the best puncher, the best dancer, the best singer, I'm the best looking too. So, have that in your pipe and smoke it. And if you're listening, Wilder and Joshua, you're a pair of bum dossers and you get knocked back out. And that's what I was going to ask you. You look and feel mentally right. Listen, I'm back. I'm back better than I've ever been. I've never felt as good. I've never trained as hard. I've never been happier in camp. There's nothing that I can't do at the minute. I believe I can walk on water at the minute. I'm, I'm looking at doing things in fights and stuff that nobody does anyways. I'm throwing five and six left ups in sparring and stuff and four lead right hands in rows. Just stuff that lightweight men would do, not heavyweights. I don't aim to just beat these bums, I aim to put on displays doing it. And that's what I do best. I'm an entertainer. I've been told to take this fight serious and stop all the razzmatazz. But you know what? I can't. I'm a natural showman. I ain't going to be Mr. Boring and sit back and do nothing. I am an entertainer, Mr. Entertainment, king of the entertainment. So that's what I do best, entertain. And if I want to put my hands down in the fight and play to the crowd and have a look and chat to a good luck woman at ringside, I will. Because it's a Tyson Fury show and I do what I want. Nobody can tell me not to do that, not to showboat and to take bombs seriously. How can I take a bomb seriously? The best boxer in the world today how am I going to take some bum serious? If I take him serious, then it puts me on his level, a bum. Kings never bow down to, to dossers. They bow down to me. 
And that's how it is, and that's how it'll always be. The great champions have even lost fights as well. You're still undefeated. You may never go through a defeat in your career. But are you able to have a defeat and come back again? Does, are, you, are you mentally so strong now that it's just the journey you're on now, the journey to be as comfortable as you can be, to to be in your office, to be doing what you love. I think you love doing it. Um, you'd fallen out of love with it a couple of years yeah, ago because there wasn't that aim anymore. We, we talked about you getting to your Everest. There wasn't the challenges that there are now. Um, are you the kind of guy who, if you have a defeat, you'll just come back anyway? No, I don't do losing. I've never lost a war in one century, so I ain't gonna lose it today or any time soon. I don't do losing, I never lost in my life. So I, d I don't do losing. Losing's for losers and winning's for winners. I don't know how to lose and I never will lose. To beat me, you have to be a hell of a special type of human being. Because if you're a better boxer than me, I'll outfight you. Like I said in the press conferences many times before, I can't be beaten a boxing ring. You can knock me out, that's how you gotta beat me. But if you can't do that, which I'm very slippery, do it, land on clean then you ain't going to beat me. But if you beat Wilder and Joshua, yeah. would you allow them to rematch you? I'll, I'll beat them both twice, just to show my they really are. I will beat them senseless. And People may listen to this and think, this man's a lunatic, he's been out for a year. But I'm the greatest boxer that's ever lived in the heavyweight division. And that's a statement. To say six foot nine, 19, 20 stone man is the greatest boxer that's ever lived, I don't know what it is. God's given me the talent, so much talent and ability to move, twist, bend, slip, slide, counter. I was looking at some of the stuff that Mayweather was doing, like, and he was saying, oh, he's defense, how he goes in and comes back when he threw the uppercuts and stuff. And I'm doing that myself and I'm an heavyweight. Has this mindset developed week on week, day on day, week on week, month on month, over the last seven, eight months then, no, ten not months? No, really. I never really. I never really lost my confidence because I knew, I always said to my dad and everybody, Shane, he always said, oh, you're not gonna come back, you're finished. I said, I'll come back when I want to come back, any time I want. That's how easy it is for me, to come back and take what's mine. I am the king of the heavyweight division. There's no no one, no boxing analyst, specialist, anything who knows about boxing will deny that I'm not the, the king of the heavyweight division. And like, like um, there's always been a leader, and I am that leader of the heavyweight division. And if they can beat me, then they become the king of our era. But until I'm beaten, there's no man can say he's the best in the heavyweight division or the best in boxing. I am I am the star of boxing because me being the heavyweight and the biggest of all of them, I can beat them all. From lightweight, featherweight, flyweight to heavyweight. You're looking at the man right here. Where's he from? Manchester, UK. No, It's something, isn't it? It's a statement, that, isn't it? The funny thing is, um, I, you know, said having covered your career, that, that time away you had made you probably realise and I know this means something to you, even though you may say it doesn't. The time you had away, I think, made people realise and made you realise how much people miss you in the game as well. Does it, it, do you enjoy that, that people are happy you're back, they're enjoying you back, that there's debate you're back, you've got your doubters, but there's an awful lot of love out there for you. And it's kind of changed something. The love you didn't get, I know we've touched on this before, yeah. the love you didn't get when you deserved it when you won the belts. Yeah, listen, sometimes it takes a while, but we all get there in the end. Like, Muhammad Ali wasn't, wasn't liked in, in his no, reign. No, it was the Louisville lip and in a negative way, exactly, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah, and then you got, yeah. like, Lewis, who was always very critical in Lennox, and... They, they realise, and even Vitaly and them, they were, oh, they're not this, they're not that, not this when they're active. But when they're gone, they realise, wow, 
they were really good champions. I think they were like that about Lennox at one time. 100%. You know? And now he's yeah. Lennox legend, and he is. 100%. You know? Look, everyone has the day, mm. and there's always the best man in one era, mm. and I'm the best man in this era. When I took it from Vladimir, I said it was a changing of the guard, and you don't just change the guard at a landscape in every division, and then that's it. You don't just, oh, he beat him, he had an off night. You take over the division for a reason because you're the man to beat the man of the last era. Mm. And everyone has a division change. And now it's my time. And although I've been around and I've had my problems and I've been away from boxing, they can't deny that I'm still the best of this time. And there's no good believing me. Don't believe a word I say. Let me prove it to you all. Let me prove that I'm the best. Let them prove they're the best. Now, they say all oh, it's about business, all this and that, yeah, and how hard it is to make fights with these people. But I made a fight with Wilder in two minutes, yeah? And Eddie can get on his thing, and him, he thinks he's a world heavyweight champion, that idiot. He thinks that, oh, he said, oh, Joshua's got three belts. Tyson's got nothing. Tyson's the man of the rule of the heavyweight division, I'm the lineal heavyweight champion, something they can never, ever be without beating me first. So Tyson has got everything to lose. When you're not a little like Eddie Earn, yeah, then you can do things and you can get things done. But when you want everything your own way and you're screaming and you're a little diva, then you, things are hard to make. But when you're a man and you don't care about anything else apart from fighting and getting your few quid at the end of it, then that's it. Because it's can not be about made. the big money payday for you. It's about proving that you are the lineal Listen, champion of the world. I'm already a millionaire. Yeah. Yeah. I've done very well in my life. I ain't fighting for money this time round. Beating Klitschko is one thing, right? Earning money along the way. I've had loads of big fights. I've got plenty of money. Yeah, I've earned plenty of money. I've still got it. Whatever I've earned, I've still got and more because I'm not silly with me when I invest it, right? So to go and get another 10 million or whatever I'm going to get for fighting um, Wilder, it ain't going to be the be all and end all. And if I get another 80 million after that, it ain't gonna. It ain't gonna change me as a person. Well, I don't. I've, I've already got three Rolls Royces and ten houses. What the, more the can only, one man have? The only change I've ever experienced in you is you feel feeling, having an energy of feeling down. That's it. That's the only change the only I've change ever. The only change you'll ever see me is me trainers. <laughs> Core of them. That's it. Material goods will change, but the person will never. When do you hope? I know you're focused on Pianetta, but when do you hope the 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 fight with Wilder could be finalised? As soon as I beat Pianetta, and if I can't beat Pianetta, I may as well bend over and let him call me his <laughs> That's how easy it's going to be. I'm but... going to smash Pianetta's face in, and then I'm going to make a statement to Wilder, and if he's ringside, I'm sure he'll have something to say on the night, and I'm sure we can sort it out live in front of the nation. But you know, even if it doesn't happen in the immediate aftermath, like this year, you know you're going to fight both of those guys you're on it's about, aren't you? It's going to happen this year. Yeah. I'm a man of my word, and if I say he's got to fight, he's got to fight. And if this fight doesn't happen this year, it's not because of me. It's because he will run his ass in the bushes like AJ done to him. I've never ever been to Las Vegas. I've had the opportunity to go there many, many times. Mm, mm. But I always said I'll never go there until I fight there. Right. And God has led me to this point now where if I beat this next fight, I will fight in Las Vegas. And we will rule Britannia once again. We will take over Las Vegas. I know we've not had a great reputation of late. Liam Smith going over there and getting beat and Ricky Hatton and... and, and that's it, really. In well, last, another Mac was back. Is back as well in yeah. in Vegas pretty soon. Conor McGregor, the yeah. Mac is back, and then the other Mac's coming back later in the year. Hundred percent. It's going to be a good. Uh, it's going to be a good time for uh, for boxing and for fight fans. 
you know, it's um, it's exciting times. So I'm going to be involved in some of the biggest fights in in the world, and um, where better to do it than Las Vegas, Nevada? The unmistakable Tyson Fury speaking to Gareth A. Davis uh, earlier this week. I'd tell you something, Gareth. You must have been going, what headline am I going to use? What yeah. quote am I going to yeah, use? He's well to just use 15 minutes. Now, now you see what I mean about his mindset. When he's on fire like that, we're, we're going to talk about it more anyway, but when he's on fire like that, he is quite extraordinary and he is all the things he says he is in my view. Mm. Uh, well, on that, we are going to discuss it next. And if you want to get involved with it, you're more than welcome to do so. Uh, at TalkSport on Twitter, you can give us a ring on 08717 You can text on 81089. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Cattrall, Gareth Davis. And Nick Pete discussing the one and only Mr. Tyson Fury, who Gareth has been uh, catching up with this week. If you missed uh, the conversation that Gareth had with Tyson, it will be available on our podcast, available on the, the TalkSport website uh, on Monday morning. So make sure you subscribe to it so you don't miss it because it was absolute class. And one of the things that did come out of that is that he did refer to himself as the, uh, the greatest heavyweight that has ever walked the planet. Um, and I'm, I've noticed that on social media this week, it has gained a little bit of traction, that, from uh, various fans <laughs> who have uh, who have wanted to maybe cast their doubt and judgment on uh, Tyson saying, but one thing that you can't doubt is a man's confidence. And at the end of the day, if we cast our mind back all the way back to the era of Muhammad Ali, he said the exact same thing before anybody classed him as the greatest of all time. He went on to obviously prove it. And if Tyson went on uh, to uh, to prove it, could you argue him? Well, gents, look, I mean, if Tyson Fury says he's, does what he says he's going to do and he beats uh, Deontay Wilder twice and he beats Anthony Joshua twice and maybe beats Dillian White and Tony Bellew and a few others, maybe Daniel Dubois coming up and reigns supreme in this era and finishes 32-0 and or whatever. Um, you know, he's beaten Vladimir Klitschko. Ring Magazine rate Vladimir Klitschko, I think, as the 16th or 17th greatest heavyweight of all time you yeah. know and we're talking about you know the 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 likes of jack johnson muhammad ali muhammad ali comes out number one for them joe lewis number two jack johnson three yeah. rocky marciano four larry holmes five but the, the thing is this um right now he has the right to say that because he did st it, you know i was ringside on the night in dusseldorf in november 2015 and he really did school Vladimir Klitschko in a boxing match. It wasn't the most thrilling fight of all time. It wasn't a classic heavyweight fight. Mm. But there, there is no doubt that Tyson Fury has a very, very clever boxing brain. He comes from 10 generations of bare-knuckle fighters. Yep. He has all these extraordinary things about him. He's, he is a, something of a savant in some ways, but... You know, he's he's also been derided and, and criticised and probably not given the credit down to a few comments for what he did achieve against Vladimir Klitschko. What's what's interesting sitting with him um, and and seeing the size of the man, seeing the size of his confidence is that we are in for with him back. Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua, we want to see fight. Together, they hold the four corners of the heavyweight division, the four swords, the game of the heavyweight thrones, if you like. Joshua with three and Wilder with one. But the, the ace in the pack, the man that ignites this division right now, is Tyson Fury. Because rather like we'll talk about later with the likes of Conor McGregor, who's back in mixed martial arts, there is something about him when he speaks. There is something about him 
when he holds court, when he sings, when he does whatever he does in the ring that that draws the attention, love him or hate him. As you say, Adam, social media's gone crazy this week mm, with those yeah. things he was saying. And that is great for boxing. Of course it is. Absolutely, of course it is. But when you say stuff like that, then you have to come out and you have to back it up because the last time that we saw him was against Sefer Safiri yeah. and it was a bit of a pantomime. This time, uh, next weekend, he has to wow the crowd and not wow Absolutely. the crowd in obviously with a ring walk or the chatting to the whatever he wants to do in the crowd. He needs to wow us with boxing talent is what he needs to do, Nick. Yeah, of course he does. You know, and listen, I've, I spent some time in Tyson myself a few weeks ago and, you know, his headspace was completely different from where he is with Gareth this week. That's so surprising. It's like something's just switched on in his brain. He's kind of thought, you know what? Forget about going slowly. I'm just going to jump right back in at the top. I'm sick of waiting for Joshua and Wilder. I'm just going to take the, the this whole division by the scruff of the neck. And that's what he's doing here. If he can force through this Wilder fight by the end of the year, Tyson Fury is taking the whole division by the scruff of the neck. But when you... I think... The main criticism for me is the look at the body of work. You know, I've been, I've been lucky enough to be ringside for so many of Tyson's fights over the years. And I include the Klitschko one in this as well. I wasn't ringside on the night, but I remember watching the fight. Mm. And the takeaway from that, still the thing that everyone talks about most was singing to his wife at the end. That was kind of the takeaway. The performance, he stifled Klitschko. It was incredible from a technical point of view. It was a phenomenal body of work. And it all it was the moment when the Klitschko era ended. You know, he, he, he was Tyson Fury alone that stopped the Klitschko domination for a decade. The two brothers that dominated the heavyweight division had it on lockdown. He did that, and that's brilliant. I, I give him credit for that. But his body of work, look at the people he's beaten. Look at the people on his record other than Klitschko. It doesn't stand anywhere near against, you know, guys. some guys of this era, mm. in, including that, you know. I wish Tyson was as good as he tells us he is. Now, hopefully against Pianeta, he's going to prove it. Yeah, absolutely. Right now, you've got to agree with that, Gareth. Right now, at this moment in time, it, the body of work, if you look at Anthony Joshua's body of work, because that's the easiest comparison compared to uh, uh, Tyson Fury's body of work, Anthony Joshua comfortably beats him. I don't agree. I don't agree. I think he struggled against Vladimir Klitschko. But he beat him. Oh no! I think it was sensational, though, Gareth. It, it was it's performances like that, don't you think? That that make legacies that fans remember and go, "Wow, that was a sensational fight from his legacy." Whereas the the Klitschko performance from Tyson, yes, it was defining. Yes, it ended an era. It was phenomenal in the timeline of heavyweight boxing history. But as a performance, a standalone performance, as a memorable moment in the eyes of the fans, it was forgettable compared to what AJ did. It wasn't classic heavyweight boxing. I agree with you that you know heavyweight boxing is. A about knockouts and knockdowns and those kind of things. And, and the, you're right in that sense. But, you know, and, and, and that no one can take away the fact that Anthony Joshua against Vladimir Klitschko was a brilliant, thrilling, dramatic spectacle with an amazing denouement. But what Tyson Fury managed to do, and, you, and it's always different when you're ringside. When I was ringside that night, it was extraordinary to watch how he fooled around with Vladimir Klitschko. And he did school him in boxing terms. Yeah. He took away Klitschko's jab. Klitschko could not land the right hand or throw the right hand. And Fury got his game plan spot on. I would love to have seen them in a second fight. I just, I, I think it's such a shame we didn't see them in a second fight. Take Derek Chisora, the Derek Chisora, yeah. the second Derek Chisora fight that Tyson Fury had. And look what Derek Chisora's just done against Carlos Takam who took Joshua 10 rounds. He absolutely... And he, obviously, Chisora knocked Takam out two weeks ago in the eighth round in a, in a very interesting fight. Mm. Um, when Tyson Fury fought 
um, Derek Chisora for the second time at the XL Arena, that, that kind of hot, stifling night when everything ran late and no one could get home and there was a terrific fog outside. What he did was he switched to Southpaw and he hit Chisora with so many left uppercuts, really accurate uppercuts, that he basically broke the guy's heart. It was extraordinary performance. What Tyson Fury is, is not a big puncher. He's not a devastating knockout merchant. He is, as he was saying, and I agree with this, he's a freakish mover for the man, for a man of 20 stone and six foot nine. Mm-hmm. He's got a really amazing boxing brain. And if you speak to anyone that's ever sparred with him, they say the same. That, And I understand his sparring for, for Pianetta. Has been, all of it's been without a head guard. Look, he had a little nick in his eye. Mm-hmm. Um, when I saw him on, on was it Wednesday, um, he looked like he'd been through, you know, the wars a little bit, but he's not even wearing a head guard. I'm going to back the fact that he is the man who beat the man before Joshua until yeah. he gets beaten. I, listen, here's the, other, here's, here's the caveat for me, and Tyson will disagree with me on this, and he did on Wednesday. I think he's coming back for Wilder too soon. I think he should wait for two or three more fights. But if he wants to come back, it's up to him. Of course it is. You see, it's his call. You see, I'm, I'm in a different place with that. And yeah. I agree with what you've just said. It could be too soon. But I think Tyson Fury is the type of guy that needs a bit of jeopardy. I think we saw that mm. in the in, in the in the Sef, in the Fury fight. And I, th- I think we'll see it this weekend. Because as he was talking to you then... He ranks himself as a king and fighting bums. He's just like, why should I take this seriously? I think if he had an opponent, and I, I kind of do the same thing with uh, Billy Joe Saunders with this. Yes, spot on. He needs he needs a bit of danger. There's a chance that, this other guy could chin me. That's and absolutely that's you, right, Adam. And, and you that's when you get the best. Well, well, look, before before he fought Derek Chisora and schooled him, he fought Joey Abel. He's a yeah, nothing, yeah? yeah. yeah before he fought Vladimir Klitschko, it was Christian Hammer. Yeah. Those guys are journeymen. Mm. And what, what it... I think it, it's the same when you've got. I think he has a super id, a super ego when he fights. I think Billy Joe showed that against David Lemieux in Canada yeah. next year. When there's fear there, when you're against a genuinely dangerous opponent, yeah. something better comes out of you. It, it, it that adrenaline, that flight or fight forces something out of you. I talked to Adam Booth about this this week, and he said extraordinary things come out of fighters when there are these moments where they're almost fearing for their lives. You saw it with Tony Bellew against David Hay. He genuinely feared in that yeah. first fight, really feared for his safety. Um, if Tyson Fury, again, I'll say, I've said this so many times, if the Tyson Fury that fought Vladimir Klitschko in Dusseldorf on November 2015 turns up against Deontay Wilder, it could be absolutely thrilling because he's not a knockout merchant and it will be fascinating to see what he does with Wilder, who technically is not a great boxer, who is just a marauding heavyweight with dangerous fast hands mm. and unusual footwork. And he's got an amazing chin, as we saw against uh, yeah. Louis, Louis Ortiz. He was out. I mean, he was in a lot of trouble in that fight, and he stayed in there. He's got, he has got King Kong. You know what? You know what yeah. I'm saying? He, yeah. he, he's, he's in there. And, and and another thing, another thing that Tyson said, which we didn't hear in that interview in the last segment, was, you know, Anthony Joshua not taking the Deontay Wilder fight right now. There is a real risk against Alexander Povetkin. I think Joshua will win against Ale- Alexander Povetkin. But if Joshua does lose that fight, it catapults the heavyweight division away from these six fights we want to see. I think it's six. We want to see all three of these fighting each other twice. Mm. These are the fights that will define the undisputed champion. And if Dillian White's listening, Dillian, yes, I want you to fight them as well. Mm. I think he will be, mate, in April, listening to a few interviews this week that I've uh, that I've caught up with since... Uh... 
uh, since my holidays. Do stick around because there's lots to talk about uh, in the world of boxing as we uh, catapult ourselves towards September in these super fights that we're all dead excited about. Uh, and another man that I just mentioned there that Gareth's been catching up with this week is Billy Joe Saunders. We're going to hear from him next on Fight Night Live. This is Talk Sport. Fight Night with Adam Catterall on Talk Sport. decision and still WBO middleweight champion of the world still undefeated the superb Billy Joe Saunders beat you mate for six weeks training blown up 14 stone come down to six weeks training I see Andrade mentioned that yeah he looks like I ate one of his last opponents I probably did I'll eat all of them, because they're all useless. That's him with a body shot, partially blocked, and that's missed by Meyer with the right hand. Saunders looking out into the crowd to see where it landed. I will read him like you sit back and read a book in the ring. I will just do that, even though I like to put it on spell checks, I can't read properly. Oh, great right hand! Great right hand from Saunders! Whoa, what a punch! You've always got that going into the back backyard and I thought I'd lose his bottle a bit and you know he, he don't perform good but it's different with me. When I go into someone's backyard, when I, when I know I'm up against it, I'll bring it out. Billy Joe Saunders speaking a little earlier on this week. Gareth there, Davis caught up with him. He uh, he's, he's as confident as ever as Billy Joe, isn't he? Yeah, he really is. Um, well, let's have a listen to him, eh, boys? Um, Billy Joe Saunders, I began by asking him about his next fight with Demetrius Andrade in, uh, where is it, Boston That's right. on October the 20th. This fight is more a clash of styles, really. Mm. I mean, I really don't want people to ex- expect, if it is, good, you know, fantastic, an unbelievable, brilliant toe-to-toe war and, you know, knockdowns and that. Maybe so, but in this fight, they, I think they could be... You know, it's cat and mouse. Because who gets that lead is more or less going to win the fight. So uh, when two boxers are boxing each other, it's very important that, you know, when the first four rounds, I'm definitely up. Especially being out there. Because, uh, you know, you don't want to be chasing a big, too awkward southpaw or not, as you don't want to be chasing a slick southpaw moving like myself. So, you know, the first four rounds is very important here. Canelo and Golovkin nearly didn't fight. I don't think it's a massive secret in boxing that if that hadn't happened, you would have fought one of them, probably Golovkin, and that there was things going on. Tom Loeffler's told me there were things going on in the background that you might have ended up fighting Golovkin. <clears throat> you know, you can't look past Andrade. I'm saying all these things, but you can't look past him. But you know the boxing world, or certainly the British boxing fans, your fans want to see you in against those two guys as well. Golovkin and Canelo, to be honest with you, I'm not saying they're... They're frightened or they're scared or they're ducking me, but there's easier routes for them to make money than really a young, fresh, hungry, determinated middleweight in their weight category. That's all I can do is keep winning. That's all I can do is keep winning until that, you know, I become what I think I can be and hold all the belts. I mean, please God, like I say, not looking past Andrade, I come through this fight. If none of them don't want it, I'll go back to American Fight Jacobs. I take them as a voluntary. You know, I want these big fights now because I know that, you know, I'm nearly 29. I'm coming into my prime now. I'm coming into where I need to be. What's your feeling about uh, Tyson against Deontay Wilder if that fight gets signed? And do you think it will? Right. First of all, that I am a very good mate of Tyson's. 
a very good mate. So I would never, ever, ever, ever give an opinion, ever, whether someone's my mate or not, to be wrong. My opinion is what I think. Now, it's, it's, it's one of them, and I've seen him at rock bottom, mm. and then I've seen him at top of the mountain, and mm. I've seen him in the middle. With Tyson Fury, it's not about he needs rounds, he needs this, he needs that. If Tyson Fury's head's right, which at the minute is in a great place, I've never known him to be as happy in himself. There is no boxer, nobody on the planet to beat him. Deontay Wilder, Auntie Joshua, you line them up, he'll beat them. Billy Joe Saunders catching up with Gareth Air Davis a little bit earlier on. At the back end of that, obviously, just heard him giving his opinion on uh, his mate Tyson Fury taking on potentially Deontay Wilder at some point this year. But let's talk about him, first of all, Gareth, shall we? Billy Joe, uh, he's a man that two years ago, I mean, I've said this on the show on countless occasions, and I've said it with Nick on countless shows that we've done, that I genuinely believed he was going to be the man to take Golovkin's throne in the middleweight division. When he beat Andy Lee and became the WBO champion, I was shouting from the rooftops. And then we had a, a year of nothing. He didn't fight anybody. Then we had a kind of a year of fighting people like Willie Munro and the fights weren't that good and they weren't that entertaining and people were re retweeting various things that I'd said two years previous, laughing at the statement that I'd made. But then we get the David Lemieux fight. And I think to myself, here he is, rock and roll. And then this year, we've kind of had a very stuttery year because we've had two fights with uh, Martin Murray that have fallen out because he says he was injured. There was rumours that he was trying to make a fight with Golovkin and Canelo. He was chasing those big fights. We've now got another opportunity for Billy Joe Saunders to remind us all just how good he is. Yeah, absolutely right. And I mean, you know, what, when you were talking about that, I was just thinking about the, the Artur Akovov performance yeah. in, uh, in Paisley, which was... God, it was dire. It was yep. terrible. It looked like the end of his career. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he was overweight. He didn't look great. He, he, he was sluggish. He didn't look interested. And let's not forget, this is a guy who went to the Olympic Games at the age of 18. All right, didn't win a medal. Um, as Demetrius Andrade did, by the way, as well. He, nor mm. did he win a medal. But Billy Joe Saunders is r rather like Tyson Fury. They're from the same... Gen they're kind of like hipster gypsies, aren't they? Do you know what I mean, if I can call them that? They're like from the same generation of guys who... They, they've really grown up in this brilliant British amateur boxing um, association uh, cauldron, if you like, or, or cradle, where they've been schooled brilliantly in Sheffield. They've, they've had the very best of the amateur set up, and they've come through, and they've made it... Through, there's always been a thing in, in British boxing history about the discipline of, of the traveller fighter. And it's not, I'm not, I'm not um, denigrating travellers, traveller boxers or travellers in this, but it's always been a thing. Obviously, it's the national sport of travellers, boxing is, okay? There's no other sport that they love as much. The kids have gloves on from the moment and they can literally bash each other from prams. And, and the point is this, with Billy Joe and Tyson, and, and particularly on Billy Joe here, he has an opportunity in America right now to show that skill set. Look, he, he said it's going to be an even fight between two boxers. Off the record, he doesn't think it will at all. He thinks he's going to box Demetrius Andrade's ears off. I think Andrade is a difficult opponent. Mm. Yeah. I think he throws very awkward punches. They're both southpaws. He's a slightly taller man. He throws punches from very weird angles. He crouches. Um, his best victory for me was against an undefeated um, Marta Rossian, Vanis Marta Rossian, yeah. five years ago, that is. Mm. Um, but I do think that we may see another 
brilliant performance from Billy Joe Saunders, but he's got to win this fight outright because he's fighting over there. He's fighting on Hearn's card. It's on the DAZN. Um, it's on the DAZN platform, the streaming service, and Hearn will want Andrade to beat him to get one over on Frank Warren as well because obviously Hearn won the purse bids. If you don't understand that as a listener, <laughs> that's boxing politics, as Lennox Lewis used to call it. <laughs> but I do think Billy Joe Saunders is a very, very talented boxer, and yeah. I would love to see him in against Canelo or Golovkin. Nick, it's time to get going now, isn't it? He Absolutely. has to. He's got to put in a great performance and then get on that Canelo Triple G bandwagon. It's just such a shame because the Lemieux thing where he looked out the ring, where he dodged that right hand, we heard it then <laughs> on commentary, it went viral and suddenly Billy Joe was a superstar and it's just... This last 10 months, it'll be 10 months before he steps in against Andrade, has been so frustrating from a fan's perspective because you're like, you had it. You had us all captivated. You had the world ready to go, okay, who is this Billy Joe Saunders guy? And the 10 months is just, we, most people have forgot about him again. He needs to make a statement against Andrade. And listen, most UK fight fans probably seen Andrade beat the living daylights out of Brian Rose. Yes. He's had Brian Rose down about three or four times on his way to mm. his, his world title defence in the weight division below. So we're aware of him. We know he's a puncher. We know he's big. He's awkward. He's a southpaw. Mm. If Billy Joe can do a, a Lemieux type of performance on this guy as well, then he's right back up there again. But have we got to wait another year for another performance after that? I hope not. No, it's all about activity for me. And, and, and listening to you talking to him there, and he mentioned the likes of Daniel Jacobs. If it's not Canelo or Triple G next... Do the Daniel Jacobs fight. Great fight. Absolutely. Great fight. Again, Danny Jacobs, a great fight. The man who pushed Golovkin to the wire was there that night in uh, in New York, and it was a terrific fight. Listen, um, as long as... Here's the other thing about Billy Joe, and I know we've got a break soon, but here's the other thing, gents. Up there in Sheffield with Dominic Ingle and Kid Galahad, I mean, I saw all these guys on that tour. He's very happy up there. He's away from the distractions of the family. Remember, Billy Joe Saunders lives on a site, but he bought a house, a four-bedroom house for his training camp. But he didn't like living in the house, but now he's up with Dominic Ingle, who is brilliant for him. He's like the headmaster, and he's got him in a really, really good place. I thought he was terrific this week. Mm. October 20th, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. that in uh, in Boston uh, against uh, Dimitris Andre, the, the obviously uh, defending his WBO middleweight championship. And then hopefully he can kick on from there. Obviously, he's got to come through that first. But if he does, uh, maybe a big, big. Got to get moving. Uh, 12 months Jamel ahead. Charlo is going to take over that division, mark my words. He's got to get moving. It's going to be interesting. Um, we've got quite a lot still to come on the show next week. As we know, it's uh, Tyson Fury at Windsor Park, but he's on the undercard next week because it's all about Carl Frampton's homecoming. And we're going to be speaking about. About that next, make sure you stick around because uh, our man Don McGuinness has been catching up uh, with Carl and uh, his trainer Jamie Moore. We're going to hear from Joe Gallagher as well in the next hour because Callum Johnson, his boy, is taking on Arta Better Behev. <laughs> Dare to be great. Uh, over in the States as well. That's happening at the start of October. A tremendous night there uh, in the light heavyweight division. So we'll be getting stuck into that. And then later on in the show, if you're a UFC or a mixed martial arts fan, make sure you stick around because we will be speaking about Connor. We will be speaking about Darren Till and everything else that is going on in the world of mixed martial arts. You listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Good evening. You're listening to uh, Talk Sport. This is Fight Night with me, Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis, Nick Pete with us 
uh, this evening. Uh, we're getting stuck into all sorts of little bits and bats. Bit of MMA and uh, UFC coming up later on in the show. We're going to be speaking to Joe Gallagher shortly as well, ahead of Callum Johnson taking on Arta Better Biev uh, for the IBF uh, Light Heavyweight Championship of the World. And we're also... Uh, going to be uh, catching up with uh, Carl Frampton, who's been catching up with our very own Don McGuinness. Before I get there, there, boys, um, as I brought in to the show before I went on my holidays, a little bit of a trivia question, um, mainly for people listening to the show. So if you're up and about listening to the show right now and you want to participate in a little bit of trivia, you're more than welcome to do so. I've no doubt these two will chip in and give you some answers as well as uh, as we're going along. Uh, but earlier on, we were talking about the WBA version of, of world titles, okay? Mm-hmm. And they dish them out like sweets. So you've got uh, <laughs> super, regular, interim, one in waiting, all that type of stuff. Now, if I was a fighter, I would probably be competing at super middleweight at 168 pounds. <laughs> Don't you dare laugh. I could get down to 168, right? So here we go. Mm-hmm. 168 and above is what we're talking now. Yep. 11 British fighters have held titles... WBA versions of world titles at 168 and above. So that's super middle. And above, okay. Light heavyweight, cruiserweight, heavyweight. 11 WBA version of titles is what I want, right? So if you listen to this at home, please get in contact. You can tweet me directly if you want, at Adam Catterall. You can tweet TalkSport, at TalkSport. Can you name all the British... WBA world title holders. That includes super, interim, regular, all that. From 168 and above. There you go. I'll give you an hour on that. What do you reckon? Get off Google, you. What are you doing? Cheating. I'm typing it in. No, you can't. I'm starting my list of 11. Tell you, you know what he's like. I've got five before we start Googling. All right, calm yourself down. I'm not Googling anything. Uh, When we come back to it in an hour, you can help people out if you haven't got it, all right? There you go. Have a little bit of a play along with that little bit of trivia. Uh, Now then, Don McGuinness has been uh, in uh, Manchester hanging out with uh, Carl Frampton, who's in action next week at Windsor Park. He's been at uh, his trainer's house, uh, Jamie Moore. And Don started the whole conversation by talking about the training regime ahead of Luke Jackson. I'm in good shape. I've trained hard. Um, I'm lifting big in the gym and feeling strong. been sparring well and really had a bad session the whole camp, which is... A rarity almost, like you always feel like, you, you know, there's always times you get wee niggles or injuries or even a bit of sickness, you know, a few days off of the cold in a 12-week camp are expected, but I haven't, I don't remember having a bad session this whole camp, so. Except um, one bad round, I'll tell you, I, I remember, yeah. I mean, usually you'll have a couple of bad spars where, where, you know, you don't really do what you're supposed to be doing or you don't, you're underperform. Sometimes you come in the gym, you feel great and you don't really spar or train that well sometimes you'll come in and feel terrible and then perform great third fight together now as well so again I suppose with each camp that you do together you're going to get to know each other an awful lot more but do you feel that it's been a lot longer together than it actually has been yeah I was I was thinking about there's only been about a year that we've been we've really known each other obviously we've, we've known each other through boxing circles but personally known each other has been about a year but it feels much longer not, not, not in a bad way it's obviously a great way I feel like I've I've known all the guys in the gym for a lot longer than a year and, and, and we've become friends more than anything and there's there's good camaraderie in the gym but um, I've seen, things seem to be getting better and improving and, and if the trend keeps going the way it has been I think, you know, I feel like I'm still getting better and performing better. You know, the Horatio Garcia performance was 
But in the grand scheme of things and everything that was going on, it was okay, but it wasn't what I'm known for, that performance. And then we move on to Denner, and it was a, a very good performance, I thought. And I think if, if that trend continues, it's going to be another great performance against Luke Jackson. I think he's going to find it interesting in Belfast anyway. I mean, you're, you're all going to be in Belfast next week. There's going to be all the build-up, and, and I think he'll... F- you know, feel your fans if you like. Mm. That's going to be pretty evident. But what about Windsor Park on the night? I mean, this is a fellow that's mainly fought in Hobart in Tasmania and never left Australia before. Sixteen fights. Mm. Windsor Park with what twenty five thousand people yeah. in there. It's a big night, and it's a big night for myself. But it'll be a big night for him. But it's it's something. I've boxed in front of big crowds. I've I've been involved in big fights before. Um, and big rivalries and stuff and, and, and fights that have got a lot of media attention this is all going to be alien to him and it's going to be interesting to see how he copes with it and all this is coming before he actually gets into the ring so um, we'll see we'll see what happens but um, I'm I'm used to these sort of situations and he's not so that I think that's something that can, can play into my favour You were at Old Trafford last night it's a new ground ticked off for you then next week Windsor Park you've not been before? Never been to Windsor Park no I've seen it out of the hotel room a few times through the, through the hotel window but uh, yeah I'm looking forward to it I think you know as an occasion it's going to be right up there with any I've ever sort of been involved with in boxing or, or ever will be involved in boxing it's going to be a massive night uh, I think you know going back to talk about Luke Jackson and is he ready for it and stuff like that That'll be a big um, test of his character. Um, can he hold it all together? Because one, you know, roughly in a week's time, around this time, it's all going to start hitting home to him how big this occasion is, so the pressure what's on him, because he'll feel like he's not in it, under any pressure. But when you're top of the bill in a situation like that, of course there's pressure on you. Uh, the chemistry between Carl Frampton and Jamie Moore is absolutely unbelievable. As they just mentioned there in that conversation with Don McGuinness, um, third fight in now, last time out against Nonita Donaire. I think we all think that it was one of Carl's best performances, even up there with the uh, Leo Santa Cruz performances. And to be fair, when the name Luke Jackson was, uh, was mentioned, I'm sure a few fight fans went on Google just to see who the heck he was. But I don't think it is about the opponent this time round. I think uh, Carl Frampton's kind of earned the right just to have his own particular night at uh, Windsor Park. Not to say that Luke Jackson will be a walkover. He's 16-0. He's coming to win, of course. Uh, but I think it's all going to be about Carl Frampton on the night, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. Of course it is. You know, this is the fight he's been wanting for. This was kind of the key to switching over to Frank and everything else, the whole BT Sports supporting him and getting right behind him. Um, this is the big push, and it was all about this night and this venue. We've spoken in the past that we were a little bit disappointed about the, po- uh, the opponents. But, you know, I've got to be honest, I'm warming to action, Jackson. I like this kid. Yeah. This kid's never fought outside Australia before. His record doesn't even carry a torch compared to what Carl Frampton's done yeah listen to him in every interview he is so confident he is coming to win he's degrading everything Carl Frampton's ever done as a professional I like this kid I'm warming to him it's making it interesting but the worst thing he's doing he's rattling Frampton's cage and honestly yeah but is that uh, not what he's attempting to do he's attempting to rattle his cage he's trying to get inside his head but look at his record look what this guy's done he's done nothing he should be nowhere near the ring with it on fire, Carl Frampton. And I fear for him. I fear mm. for him on the night. They want to get a vintage Carl Frampton. Gareth, is there, is there pressure for a vintage Carl Frampton? Do we have to see him absolutely give us a blockbuster performance to match the occasion? Um, I don't know. Look, I, I, I think, look, what we get with Australian fighters that tend to come out of 
that country as look, look at Jeff Horn against Manny Pacquiao, very rugged. And Jackson's from that school. He's a very rugged fighter. He's got a very strong physique, a very strong right hand. He comes and he's tenacious. I mean, I did a piece with him earlier in the week in which he was saying, you know, Frampton is past his best, which you were alluding to just now. You know, that not my piece, but the, the fact that he was coming out and getting in Frampton's face and saying all the right things because he does want Frampton to come out and have a toe-to-toe barn, uh, barn burner with him because... I, I do, to some extent, um, we, we don't know yet, but Carl could be past his best. It was a brilliant performance. I wasn't there on the night against Nanito Donaire. I think we were up, I might have been, was it Darren Till night up in yep. Liverpool? Yes, mm. it was. And when mm. he fought Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, we all watched it together yep. um, on, on the TV. Um, and, and I just had a feeling that there were times in that fight. Carl has moments now when he's easier to hit, where he gets drawn into toe-to-toe battles, where when he fought Leo Santa Cruz the first time, and he was extraordinary on that night. He Look, he's a brilliant two-weight world champion. He's a very rugged fighter. He's had to. He's a very muscular, he's a pocket rocket, isn't he? A pocket battleship. And he's had to drain down his weight for all these years. He's in his early 30s now. And I just feel that, I hear it from Carl, I feel it from Carl. I think it's a great synergy with, with, with Jamie Moore. But I just think he's in his last three or four fights. And, and he knows his body is beginning to ail him. He's got to be wary against Jackson. I want to see him box early, um, land those brilliant combinations, draw Jackson on and hit him with counters. Because that's where Frampton is extraordinarily brilliant. When he boxes when they fight and fights when they box. And I know he's not with Barry McGuigan anymore, but that's what McGuigan always wanted him to do, Shane and Barry. And I think that Frampton is the Frampton we need to see against Jackson. I don't think he'll get beaten in his in his hometown. I cannot wait to be there next Saturday night because, you know, the Belfast crowd, they love their boxing. They're very knowledgeable. But I do think he has to be careful about not fighting emotionally. Mm. And and that is the key thing. I, th- I don't think he will, though, because we have seen him, obviously, in Belfast previously, and he has risen to the occasion. Now, he last time out when he when he was fighting against Nanita Donaire. But w- I, I agree regarding the occasion. As a little boy, he will have dreamt of this moment to to pack out this Absolutely. particular arena and, uh, uh, and Windsor Park in particular. And it's here now. This moment yeah. is here. He's going to make that walk. We've and- all waited. We all thought he was going to fight Lee Selby there, didn't we? But, you yeah. know, who knows? He could go back there. And you know what? Last week on my tour, I even spoke to Kid Galahad, who's chasing him, because I began by asking him, gents, how he plans to dominate the featherweight division that Carl wants to dominate. I wanted all the big guys, and when I win this IBF world title, they'll be looking for me. And I'm going to give them the opportunity they won't give me, just, to, just for the fans, for the fans' sake. We are in a great place. Six of the uh, top ten heavyweights in the world are in Britain. Five of the top super middleweights. Arguably, we've got four featherweights in the top ten as well. Um, well, if you can't, Lee Selby's going up, isn't he? Yeah, but he's going up to super, I think he's on about super feather or lightweight. Yeah, I mean, but we are we're stacked. We're booming. We are, we're booming. Yeah. We're booming, booming in, in boxing terms. I don't know. I think you remember years ago when all the Ameri- when all the English go to America for the sparring. I think like that's what they're doing. They're going to start trying to come over here and see what's, what, we're, what we're doing, why we're producing so many champions. I think it's from the years, you know, building up from foundation and it's built, built up, built up, built up. And now it's a mainstream sport. Everybody wants to be a boxer. 
Supreme talent kid, Gally, I have no doubt about that. But for me, um, I don't know where you're at, Gareth. Obviously, you looked into the whites of the eyes uh, this week of, uh, of all these men. Um, for me, the fight to make now after his performance at Ellen Road would be Josh Warrington after that tremendous performance where he becomes world champion. If Carl comes through it in a blockbuster this weekend, the next obvious fight is Josh Warrington. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Warrington against Frampton's a brilliant fight. And I, they either do it at Ellen Road at some point, which was brilliant that night, yeah. of course, or they go back to, to Belfast, which is always a sellout. But you know what? I like the sound of Kid Galahad. I like where he is. Obviously, he served a ban, yeah. you know, for banned substances. He's come back. He looks in a great place. He's enjoying being around Billy Joe Saunders. They're a great kind of little team together. Um, but he's right to have that mentality. I want to be in the mix as well. And he's not wrong about the featherweights in Britain. Well, you, you brought that up. Or the and United Kingdom. Yeah, yeah it's absolute flames. Yeah, yeah Jordan yeah. Gill and Reese Bellotti yeah, and absolutely. all these guys. This is the next generation coming through. And mm. I, I think Frampton's right in what he's saying. I think Frampton, for me, he still wants the Santa Cruz third fight, doesn't he? Yeah, of course he, still he wants does. The of course match. he I think does. That's yeah. what's driving him, and that's what's keeping him fresh. I think a big performance on Saturday night. I think Josh Warrington, logical next step. That would lead to a Santa Cruz and that would probably be the end of uh, Carl Frampton's career, but what a career he's had. But, no, but also, but also, I know you've got a break, but also Frampton, of course, either wants Warrington or Oscar Valdez, and obviously we were there uh, yeah. for Talk Sport that night when he fought Scott Quigg. Love to see Frampton against Oscar Valdez, by the way. I think that style matchup is extraordinary. Mate, that is just brutal. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's it a war, isn't it? It Pink is. Of you. It is. Yeah. It's, it's crazy stuff. Uh, you are listening to Fight Night. This is Talksport. Do stick with us. We're speaking to Joe Gallagher next because speaking of wars and brutality, uh, one of his charges, uh, Callum Johnson, uh, he's going to be taking on Arta Better Beer. If you don't know who that guy is, just do a quick Google now. Have a quick three minutes on YouTube and then come back and have a listen to what we're going to do, uh, talk to Joe about. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to TalkSport. Fight Night with Adam Catterall on TalkSport. Another big one from Callum Johnson. And that's a right hook. And Victor Lockett has stopped it. It's a sensational win for Callum, the one, Johnson. People don't probably realise I've had 60 or 70 international boxing matches as an amateur and I've boxed all these big bad Russians before so you know, I've got the experience and uh, you know, I'm 32 and I've been given the chance and it's a chance that I'm going to try and take with both hands. You listen to Fight Night on TalkSport with me Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis and Nick Peets. Uh, if you've only just joined us, maybe you've uh, been out for the evening, this show is available on a podcast, so you can get the previous one hour, 20 minutes uh, via our website, talksport.com, uh, available on Monday morning, also available on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe, by the way, as well, because we're there every single week. Uh, now then, I think it's only fair that we turn our attention towards uh, the light heavyweights. Uh, we saw earlier on this week, Eddie Hearn over in the States announcing his matchroom USA uh, big shows that he's got coming up, uh, one of which uh, is a certain showdown for the IBF Light Heavyweight Championship of the World. That belt is currently held uh, by a, a, a man that has been referred to as a beast uh, by previous pundits, Artabeta Biev, and he's taking on our very own Callum Johnson, who we saw absolutely destroy in a matter of moments to become uh, the British and Commonwealth uh, champion here in uh, the UK. On the phone right now, his trainer, the man in charge of coming up with the game plan. It is Joe Gallagher. Joe, welcome to the show. How are you, mate? 
Not too bad, mate. How are you, pal? Always good. Always good to have you on. Now then, listen, there's people out there telling me that this geezer's a beast. He's going into uh, he's going into an absolute cauldron, is Callum Johnson. What type of game plan have you got planned uh, for this ferocious puncher? Uh, well, obviously, to get to get out of the fight with, uh, with the win. Um, listen, the, the game plan we're coming up with, it's, Callum can absolutely nail this. Um, he's got nothing to lose. Uh, everyone knows BTBF is a, a big puncher. Um, if you allow him hit him, um, I think he's not that clever on his feet. Although he is a solid hitter, when you get hit by him, you stay hit. You got to understand, Callum Johnson's a big puncher as well, um, and that's what we said over there this week in the press conference. Both kids can whack, and both kids can be hurt. Um, and like you say, neither have been active over the last two years. BTBF has only fought once last year, once the year before that. And Callum Johnson's had 90 seconds in like 18, 19 months. Mm. Um, so, listen, it's, it's a big fight. Um, but like you say, Callum Johnson's got nothing to lose and everything to gain. And he's got to give it his best shot. Evening, Joe. I just wanted to ask you, um, uh, Eric Enrico rather Coling took... Um, um, it's not Beterbiev, by the way. It's not a northern beer. It's Beterbiev. Um, <laughs> Mr. Catterall. That's, um, that's what I call it. Me and Arta, we're, we're tired. No, it's no, so you call him Beterbiev. I thought it sounded like some lovely northern ale. It is. That's you all. can get a draft of that in your local. <laughs> <laughs> but but <laughs> I digress. But, but um, Coling obviously managed to go 12 rounds with Beterbiev. And, and whereas before that, all the other opponents haven't been able to go beyond seven rounds with him. He he has got very heavy hands, as has Callum. Um, wh- you know, what have you seen in what Coling did that night that you might be able to advise Callum about in this fight? Because presumably, yes, they're both powerful punchers, but it would be crazy to have the kind of fight that that Callum had with with Frank Bullioni, which was unbelievable brawl for for a round, wasn't it? I mean, I know you're a very strategic trainer. What are you looking at with him against the, this unbeaten Russian? Yeah, I just touched on before. Listen, he's a he's a great amateur, got great pedigree, and um, but for someone of his class and everything else, I do feel his feet ain't the best. Mm. Um, I've, I've seen a couple of his fights where he's been hit. Um, and all of a sudden he's had to go for a bit of a walk, regroup it and come again. And uh, I know from very good sources close to him that he does get knocked out in sparring with big gloves on. Um, and like you say, he, he's doing the business in the ring. But there's a couple of fights of these where he's been hit and he's showed out, gone for a walk. If you, if you, if you see it, you'll see it. Um, and I've seen it and uh, mm. we're aware of it. What we've just got to do is keep frustrating him, uh, not let him have his shots off, and like you say, start taking him down down the straight. But well, Callum Johnson has got huge, great reflexes, can hit with either hand, um, and he can box on the front foot. He can uh, go up short. He's got fast hands, Callum Johnson. And I've always said he's a sleeping giant in the light heavyweight division and wins this. Um, this has got to go down as one of the best success stories, not in boxing this year, but in British sport and the likes of the BBC mm. or the sports person where they inspired everything that's come John, It's got to be a fantastic story from where it was in December. It's a huge opportunity for him. Um, his temperament is like 
he's like the Iron Man. I was joking with Callum Smith yesterday because they're both training together. Um, I was saying, God, Callum Johnson's like the Iron Man. He's just like got this invincibility about him. And when we're over there and we first seen him, he just went, he's not that big, is he? I went, no, and he went, no. And then the head-to-head, and I just thought, now, look, Callum, and I was pleased because I thought, you, you, you never know until they come head-to-head, do you understand? And uh, Callum Johnson went, nah, he's not that big. And he goes, nah. I reckon can do him. Do you know what I mean? And uh, looked at him and sized him up, and he's come away thinking, "Nah, I, I can do this." And that's great for a coach as well. That, that the fighter hasn't. Um, it's all right uh, from a distance when a fight's made, but sometimes when they go to head, you see some fighters then realise yeah. the size of the task. But Callum Johnson come away going, "Nah." nah when a, f- when not, a fight is made like this, it. Joe. And it's obviously such a tough fight, you know. On paper, he's a guy that most people are avoiding. You know, how important was that then? That fate, that head-to-head from you as a coach's perspective, because you know, a lot of people don't say yes. There's a ten-week camp, eight-week camp, whatever it is. You physically got to be right, but at this level, it's all about psychological. It's getting them switched on psychologically. Was that the key moment in, in Callum's like training then for this fight? Is the moment where he met him, he got to see him, he sized him up himself, and then come away from it thinking, you know what? He's, he's just like me. He's got two arms, two legs, and we're going to go in there and I'm going to show him what I can do. Yeah, exactly. We, we were there. We were only there for 24 hours. And we were on the way back. Cam Jones said, was there any need for us to, to come here, really? And I'm like, yeah, 100%. Yep. For that, for the presser, for the head-to-head, have an idea, having a look at him. And I brought him to Vegas a couple of weeks earlier for Liam Smith's fight because I said to him, only so he could get this starstruck out of out of his system, meeting yeah. Michael Buffer, Roy Jones, seeing all them people that are around fight week. That for him from Boston, he's starstruck with. So like he, he texts me, is Michael Buffer going to introduce my fight? I went, yeah, he is. Just little things like that. It's lost yeah. some people, but this is his first huge step up. So I brought him there. I brought him in the corner of Liam Smith's fight. He's been around it. He's been in the rules meeting. He's seen it. Very much, that's why Anthony Crawler walked to the ring with a smile in his big fights. He's been in massive fights in the corner mm. and gone through dress rehearsals so many times. So this was a dress rehearsal in Vegas. This was a dress rehearsal. So when he goes over there in October and he sees a buffer and whoever else is there, he's not starstruck. He's taken it in his stride. Um, and them little boxes need ticking with Callum. And he's back now. His training partner for this camp is Callum Smith. The fight within seven days of each other. And uh, yeah, they've got two huge fights and both have got to push each other on both are going as underdogs and both have got to come out as champions I, I sit next to Buffer most weeks at fight night mate and I'm still starstruck and this has been going on for about 10 years you know what I mean so <laughs> God help them like uh, listen um, I know that uh, obviously you're, you're focusing on that one uh, but you've got one uh, slightly before it mate off to Jeddah the Middle East uh, for uh, the super middleweight uh, world boxing super series final um, I know that there was a lot of chat leading up to this. Is it on? Is it off? Is it going to be a replacement opponent? Is it going to be wherever the location is? But at the end of the day now, it's a ring. It doesn't matter where it is. The most important thing was that it was George Groves and it was for uh, the WBA uh, Super Middleweight Champion of the World. Yeah, 100%. People have asked me about Jeddah and Saudi Arabia and I keep saying this, it could be a button moon for all Callum Smith guys. <laughs> Great TV show. show. You still love that. <laughs> One of my favourites, that, from back in the day, that. <laughs> no, no. But, but it all he wants is George Groves. He's turned professional to become a world champion. The politics over the last two years of the WBC and Badu Jack and Darrell, and then he's gone, Joe, I've got to go into the tournament. I'll come, definitely come out a world champion. Callum Smith wants to fight the best in the world, become the best in the world. When George Groves 
originally pulled out of this, or there's mm. a sign. Uh, I, I think I messaged Carlos Alvarez. I went, ask Triple G, does he want to step in? Because he's fighting Canelo had fallen apart. That's the temperament of Callum Smith. He wants to test himself against the best. He knows going into that final now, wins that, and he's the number one in the world. The WBA champion, WBC Diamond, yeah. the Muhammad Ali Trophy, Ring Magazine, Ring Magazine yeah. number one. Joe, Joe, very, Joe, very quick question away from this topic. We had Tyson Fury on earlier with an extraordinary interview this week. You may have heard some of his comments. I know you're big on social media. You'll have seen his comments. His mindset's extraordinary at the moment. What's your take on where he's at right now and how he believes in himself? Can he take Deontay Wilder to task in America? That's a huge ask. That's a huge ask. Sometimes I, I feel, like you say... Um, when fighters say they can and they can, it's a, a, a belief to, that they're trying to convince themselves that they can when everyone else is saying that they can. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and by saying it out loud, you're convincing yourself you can. That's a huge ask. Deontay Wilder, I feel, at the moment, is the best heavyweight in the world. Um, Tyson Fury, obviously, was the number one. Um, and like you said, this is the, the two best heavyweights in the world going at it. The winner would be declared the number one in the world. It's a huge ask. I don't know whether it be in the UK or in the USA. I heard rumours of Vegas. Uh, but Deontay Wilder can hit hard with both hands. Tyson Fury's mindset, I can understand that. He's had one fight. He's having another fight. And he's like, do you know what? I, w- I want to get in with the big boys. The juices are flowing now. Mm. I'm into it. And I've got to give it one last go. And I've got to roll the dice. And if they beat him, brilliant. What does that set up next year for him and uh, Anthony Joshua? Exactly. If he doesn't, he knows. But do you know what? He will feel he'll, he'll lose. Although he won't think that, but and, and convince himself that he'll lose to Wilder, who he sees as the number one, not Anthony Joshua. Mm, good point. Nice Thank one, you. mate. Thank you very much for being on the show, buddy. Uh, all the best with the rest of the camp. Some fantastic fights coming up. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
for the uh, for the Gallagher fighters. Like I said, that World Boxing Super Series, which you're going to hear, have an exclusive here on Talk Sport between Callum Smith and George Groves, and then the uh, the week after, uh, roll on the IBF uh, light heavyweight championship of the world. Arta. Better BF. Yay! <laughs> Finally! There you go, mate. I thought I'd take the Northern out of it versus Callum Johnson. It should be a cracker. Uh, do stick around because there's uh, other fights that have been uh, announced on that Boston card, which I want to talk about, and we'll get stuck into them next on TalkSport. Still Snoop Dogg and D.I. Guess who's back? Uh, if you have just joined us, I have thrown a trivia question out, uh, mainly for people listening to the show, but uh, Nick and Gareth are obviously playing along with this as well. Um, we were talking about the WBA making up belts for fun earlier on in the show. So what I want you to do is name all the British uh, world champions from super middleweight up. All right? So from 168 right up to heavyweight. So you've got super middleweight, light heavyweight, cruiserweight, heavyweight, yeah? Uh, and I've told you that there are 11 titles there. 11 titles. However, okay. Nick Pete during the break just then says, think you've missed one, son. I've got 12 <laughs> names down here. Oh, I'm getting beaten here. I, c I can only think of 10 right now, well, believe it or not. Well, leave it there, Gareth, because you might actually be right with 10 because there is a little caveat to the 11th name, mm. all right? Oh. All right, which I'm, which I'm sure you will get anyway, all right, mate? I'm sure you'll get it anyway. What's Nick Pete doing going on about no 12 Listen, then? Goodness no gracious. Always no got to have the extra man in the team, well, I'll he? tell you what he's done. He's found another scouser from somewhere. And I, I'm I, thinking, no, no, I, I want to backtrack on the question. Darren should... Till did not win a yeah, WBA. Yeah, it counts. <laughs> well, you can backtrack in a minute. Listen, uh, Boston is the target on October the 6th uh, for Eddie Hearn's first Matchroom USA card, which will be streamed on the new uh, streaming service over there, The Zone. Um, and... A lot has been made this week on social media regarding this card. And I've, I've said to a lot of fight fans that have got in contact with me on social media, and I'm sure yourself, Gareth and Nick, have had a little bit of this as well. When the card was announced, uh, a lot of fans maybe were slightly underwhelmed. And I said, well, what were you expecting? This is the start of a brand new thing, a brand new business. And therefore, it's going to take a little bit of time for Matchroom USA to become a thing. If, we, if we're really honest, all the best fighters in the States at this moment in time are signed to other promoters and other TV channels. Mm -hmm. They've got a massive, massive pocket of money of which at some point will tempt those names to come over. Now, I said right at the start of the show, and you've got uh, an opinion on this, Gareth, regarding Manny Pacquiao. He's a free agent at this moment in time. Bob Arum is talking to him. He wants, obviously, to do business with him. Eddie Hearn, quite open. He wants to do business with him. That's the type of name that could start to establish Matchroom USA in the States. Yeah, definitely. But the thing is, I think, you know... Um, Eddie Hearn has been backed for eight years by Selene Blavatnik with a billion US dollars, okay? So this is just a launch on DAZN. Obviously, Anthony Joshua's fight with Alexander Povetkin is free on the streaming uh, service in America um, on September the 22nd. So is this fight, believe it or not. It's only on October the 20th when the um, the Boston card takes place that it, they will go into the whatever it's nine ninety nine dollars uh, a month. And this is only America we're talking about here. It's not UK, of course, because these fights are going to be shown, I, I believe, on Sky Sports. So, you know, the great thing right now is that there are massive opportunities for so many boxers. Eddie Hearn will have the facility, if he really wants to, to offer $20 million to the likes of Manny Pacquiao to bring, as you were saying earlier, the Mikey Garcias or yeah. the Vazel. He really is going to go there and shake it up. I mean, I, I've done an interview with uh, 
with Eddie in, it's online already actually, in tomorrow's um, Sunday Telegraph, in which he talks about this meeting he had. Him and Anthony Joshua went to see Sir Len Blavatnik in his £200 million home in Kensington Gardens next to Prince William he lives. And this is a guy, remember, who has invested in business, um, entertainment, uh, Warner, uh, Warner Music. Um, he's got so many investments. And Eddie said, I sat there and this guy said, we are going to make this a success. I know big fight nights will breed success. Um, and Eddie's going to take Sweet Caroline, Michael Buffer, all this, the, all the razzmatazz, the showbiz, if you like, mm. that we have now in the UK to America. I, it's very hard to doubt Hearn. He is a, is a workaholic. He, he, he's always on social media. He's got a million followers, hasn't he? Instagram and Twitter. I've sat there with him on a train for two hours. He doesn't stop. Mm. And I do think that he is a modern entrepreneur, and I think he'll make it happen. The card what he's going to do with these cards, he's trying to make exciting matches. Daniel Roman against Gavin McDonald will deliver. It will be a very, very exciting fight as far as, as I'm concerned. You know, you know, the only fight I wasn't happy about on that card, gents, and this is one that has caused a bit of consternation, Big Baby Gerald, Gerald Big Baby Miller yeah. against Poland's Tomasz Adamek. That's a mismatch for me, in my view. Mm. But regarding the development of Matchroom USA over the next yeah. two years, I think like what Gareth was just saying there, we are going to see this grow and grow and grow because at some point, the, the money talks of course. At, at some point. And if, if you're, a, let's say you're a fighter that is signed to Showtime or you're a fighter that's signed to Top Rank and you're only fighting once a year, maybe twice a year, and you're only getting, and this is me talking in fighter money now, if you're getting, say, $100,000 or $200,000 a fight and Eddie Hearn's there wafting half a million dollars a fight or a million dollars a fight, yeah, of course you're going to be having a knock on his door and having a bit of a chat with him about that. Absolutely, but then we've also got to realise the fact that this is he has gone over to America and he's changed the way they're doing things. And this has resonated at top rank with Bob Arum, at Golden Boy, and with all the other TV networks as well. It was only last week that we seen top rank come out and announce that they'd done a seven-year deal with ESPN, yeah, a brand-new deal, a minimum of 54 fight nights a year, which is phenomenal. That's going to be across ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Another multi-multi-million dollar deal and I purely think they've announced that because of the fact that Matchroom have announced the deal with the zone mm. and don't be surprised if Golden Boy come out with their own TV deal shortly as well because they're all on the offensive they've got to prove to their fighters you know top rank have got to prove to Lomachenko and to Terence Crawford and to potentially if he stays Manny Pacquiao this is the place to be this is where the money is don't be don't be drafting drafting over here to the zone and Eddie Hearn stay with us we've got the fights we've got the dates and we've got the TV deal um, it's great for boxing that's that, the fundamental it, of it all it, it's I, great for boxing I've just, it's great for fighters they're going to I've just done a massive interview with Hearn exactly about this for the cover of Ring magazine. I think it comes out sometime. It's a November issue. But um, Eddie spoke to me. I, I literally sat and spoke with him for an hour about the DAZN deal, okay? And he said, look, we've got a... I'm quoting him now. We have a huge job ahead of us because we're up against it and people want to see us fail. It's easy to mug, mug Matchroom and DAZN off. But if you've got the balls to move away from the traditional platforms, you'll be rewarded in spades. You've got to have the balls to believe in us and if you do you'll be royally rewarded that's his message to boxers in america and i think freshness often brings people that want to try something different mm. and it would not surprise me to see him sign the very biggest names they're all against him over there but you know what all i got from him is he's loving it 
Oh, absolutely. He <laughs> will be he bathing in, in it, his mate. He'll be, he's, he's absolutely, this is right up his street. Absolutely, of course <laughs> it is. Uh, lots still to come on the show. Do stick around. In around about an hour or so, we're going to be uh, talking mixed martial arts and UFC, Conor McGregor, Darren Till and the likes. So do stick around with that. It's Fight Night on Talk Sport. single week here on Fight Night, we get stuck into the Boxing Hall of Fame. Anything can go in there. It might be a fighter, might be a fight, might be a group of fans that have travelled over to go and watch Ricky Hatton. Uh, they've been thrown in there. This week, I'm going to hand our reins over to our Gareth A. Davis, who has come up with something quite special for us. What have you got lined up, bud? Well, gents, um, I rang him last week. I went to see him on the Cambrian coast a few weeks ago. We, we heard from him talking about um, uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin. He, he spotted... Canelo Alvarez for Golden Boy and they signed him all those years ago. It's Don Chargin, the, the promoter. And the reason I do that, I know Don listens to our show, believe it or not. He's 90 now, Don. And, and the last time I spoke to him, um, he told me he's got lung cancer and he's desperate to make it to September the 15th to Las Vegas to see the fight between Canelo and Triple G. And he's got his own promotion up in Sacramento in October. And he says, if he can live to see that great fight in Las Vegas, the rematch, and also to be at his own promotion in October, he'll die a very happy man. He's in the Hall of Fame in Canastota. His wife, Lorraine, is in the Hall of Fame. And when you think, gents, that he promoted his first event in 1951... You can imagine. Did you go to that one? Uh, nearly. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not far off. A decade and a half later, I could have gone as a baby. I'm, I. I am getting on. I mean, it, it, but it, it's just. It, it, you know, when. You know, I think in this day and age, sometimes everyone's got views on social media and everyone's mm. an expert. And, you know, I mean, I don't consider myself an expert. We're all students of this sport. And I've been doing it for nearly 30 years. You know, when, when you st I sat in Don's house and it's just a monument, a treasure, a museum to the history of boxing. Mm. And he's sitting there talking to me about how Sugar Ray Robinson, the greatest boxer of all time in most people's estimation, who had everything, and especially at welterweight, let's not forget, let alone middleweight. Um, he, he, you know, do he used to nod and wink to Don and chat to him at ringside. And this is a guy that's seen so much. And he still rates a lot of the fighters today and boxing has changed and in some ways it's diluted and different and there are more champions but um you know i treasure every moment i've had with don and i yeah. always seek him out in vegas so don chargin goes in to the hall of fame for me this week i don't know if you agree with that no absolutely i think that's a great shout i think um just listening to you talk about him it's quite obvious that how much affection you've got towards him um and th there's something quite nice about obviously we've got like you've just said we, we do this for a living. We are first and foremost fans of the game, hence us being here. But then when you get to spend some time with someone that has done it uh, for a longer period, that has been 
I don't know, in the era of Muhammad Ali, and I, I refer to Colin Hart, for example, for my own personal, mm-hmm. when, I, when I'm in his presence and he's speaking about those great people, it's one of the, it's one of the rare moments that I actually shut up and, uh, and listen because there's so much that you can learn from people like well, that well, that have been there, done it, and well, got the T-shirt. Well, well Nick, Nick will ascribe to this because, you know, I mean, you know, you, you, you are a huge fan of, of fight sports, boxing and MMA, Adam. But, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've spent my living doing this for, for, for nearly 30 years. And when someone, you know, as, as venerated as Don or like you say, or Colin um, mm. Hart, um, you know, brilliant writer and, 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 a, and a great broadcaster when, mm. his, when his voice works for him these days. You know, it, you know, he's in his 80s when they same as Bob Arum, when these guys have you in their office or you sit and have dinner with them and they they they. They are enjoying the fact that you are men 30, 35 years, yeah. 40 years younger than them. Yeah. And they know you're having the time of your life. Colin sent me a, an email after last week's show. Um, where, you know, obviously Nick was on, Darren Barker was on, Colin right. Hart was on. All right, rub it in. You, you were in rub a, it you in, were, yeah? You were in Ibiza <laughs> trying to get burnt on the beach, <laughs> drinking better BF beer. You know, but the, 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 the thing is, you know, they, they you can see them enjoying you enjoying it and Colin sent me an email saying listen it was a great show last last week obviously I did love it I love the sound of my own voice he wrote on the email um (laughs) but he said British boxing and boxing in general has a very bright future at the moment and when you hear that from them you can and, and, and Don's jargon's the same they are just enjoying the fact that you are giving your all to this sport which is very very special we get access privilege as we've seen on the show tonight when mm. matt smith our producer and i went on tour this week we were welcomed with open arms by tyson fury in his camp we were welcomed into the ingle gym and and you know people make way for you and they make time for you and we can only appreciate that and it isn't it's a privilege to be involved no absolutely and hopefully people listening to the show are enjoying it and uh, continue to subscribe to the podcast because if you only can dip in for uh, 10 minutes uh, half an hour at a time it's three hours of this nonsense weekly, so make sure you come and uh, <laughs> make sure you subscribe and uh, catch up throughout the whole course of the week. Uh, now then, how are you uh, two getting on with my uh, trivia question? Because uh, Nick has got an apology <laughs> to make, haven't you? You got an apology to make because you weren't listening properly, were you? You said earlier, mm, what did I say? give me eleven yeah, Brits yeah. who have won over one hundred and sixty-eight pounds yeah, yeah, Super yeah, yeah, yeah. who've won a version of the WBA Championship belt, right? And that's I started making notes, and then suddenly I'm like, wait a minute. Now I've got about 14. Oh, yeah. my word. Here now I've got 15. Yeah, now yeah. I've got uh, 16. You are kidding. Is, are you including interim champions here or I, something? I was, I was including interim, I think, yeah. No, now, what, Adam's what, backtracking what's he's now. Done? What he's, he's done? He's You're he's worse done. than the WBA catterall. <laughs> You're including <laughs> interim champions How dare champions you? Now. Of course I am, right? Now, listen. <laughs> what, what the question is, I will rephrase it for everybody so everybody's on it right now. If uh, our lovely production team can get ready with a bit of tension music because we're going to go for the answers now, right? We're going to go through it. Here we go. So, basically, the question is this okay <laughs> yeah from 168 pounds upwards yeah name every british that's the first caveat name every british world champion that held a wba crown all right now as we said at the start of the show there's various different bits of the wba crown super regular interim one in recess all that type of stuff but they've got to be a world champion okay now the reason why you got a, a bit uppity with me is because you started writing international belts down and intercontinental belts down. That's what you did, didn't you? I just, you just you wanted to WBA. You champions. just wanted to show off all your knowledge. Is what you wanted to do. Now I was like, I was ringside for that one. What are you talking about? Now, 
Yeah. Okay, I think I've got it. I think I've got him. You reckon you've got him? I think I've got him. Do you think you've got him, Gareth? I've only got ten, unfortunately. Well, you scribbled down. Well, you might be all right with ten because one. <laughs> no reason. The reason. Oh, here we go. No, I'll here tell you we why. Go. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I'll tell you why. <laughs> the reason why you might be all right with ten names is because one of these names has actually done it. Two weights. two weights. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So there's ten names, eleven titles. Well, okay. I know that is. Yeah, yeah. Go on then, Gareth. I'll give it you. Go on, son. Well, you give us that one, Gareth, and then I'll I'll go after you, and we'll do we'll alternate it. Me and Gareth will alternate and see if we can get all the right. full eleven. Well, well, well. So we're going to start with heavyweight. So David Hay. Go on then. WBA cruiserweight and heavyweight champion. There you go. One for you. Go okay. on. Okay. So that's two off the list already. There you go. Done. Go on. I'll go with Anthony Joshua. Current. Oh, yeah, right then. All right then. You make it as easy as you want for yourself. <laughs> I'm going to go with Lennox Lewis, WBA. Tremendous. There you go. You're not playing games now, he's Gareth. What else have you got, Nicholas? Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury obviously held the WBA when he became unified champion. Yes. And Gareth. Uh, did you mention Anthony Joshua just then? Yes, yes he, he did. did. Okay, so um, so we got one, two, three, four, five. That is, isn't it? Yeah. So you got two David Hayes. Yeah. You've got an Anthony Joshua, Lewis, Joshua, yeah. and Fury. So I'm going to move down to light heavyweight now. Go on then. And I'm going to go Nathan Cleverly. Look at this Nathan now. Nathan Cleverly. They're showing off the knowledge now, aren't they? These two. Here Absolutely. we go. Here we go. Now I'm hoping I'm right. But I couldn't get any more light heavyweights. I'd made a note for Buatzi, but he was the international champ. Yeah. I think we've got to go down to super middle now. I think there's a load of super middles. And the super middle I'm going to start with, of course, is the... Well, he's a mate of mine, Rocky Field, and the current WBA regular world yeah. champion. Currently picked up the regular one. Yes, you are yeah. correct. Go on, Gareth, what you got? Well, I'm going back to the Italian dragon himself. Oh, Joe yes. Calzaghi. Superb. Nick? Um, I'm going to go for my mad one then. You're going to go for a mad one? I'm going to go, not for a mad one, but one I think you think you were going to trip up on. Go on. I've got Brian McGee. Brian McGee. Oh! <laughs> That's a very good call. I got Gib McGee as well. Yeah. Yep. Mm. But there's one other, there's, there's one, two. Should be t are we too short? Well, hang on a minute. Just let me address. We're three do, short. Do, do, you want, do you want me to address Brian McGee, first of all? Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, come See, on. Let's do McGee. Okay, then we'll address uh, Brian McGee because there'll be people listening to the show that are thinking, Brian McGee? I don't know who Brian McGee is. Brian McGee, if we uh, remember, was in the super middleweight division and he became. WBA? It WBA interim world champion and it can't be he was promoted to the full champion wasn't he, at some he point? well he was promoted to interim it doesn't matter because it's yeah, part yeah, of the yeah. question so interim does count so you can have it well done Brian McGee that's the one that I thought that that's neither of you one. I thought that you might no, forget about that I you've was, got two more to go boys I covered that one yeah over to you Gareth um look I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna leave a big name for Nick I'm gonna go Thank for you. George Groves current it was not a, not a small name but um, I'm going to go for George Groves as the current WBA super champion. Are you ready? To which, which leads me perfectly Does it? to the last guy. Because, you know, they shared Wembley together. Oh, get lost. The pair of you. <laughs> Sorry. Both, both of you, sod off. <laughs> Finish it off. Of course, the one and only, the Cobra, Carl Frotch. There you go. 10 names, 11 titles. They were the ones that you were looking for. Caroline. <laughs> Do you want the international champions as well? No, you're all right, Nick. You can keep them. You can keep your international champions. The whole point of the, the thing was to just show off how uh, ridiculous the WBA can be at times. But there you go. Uh, yeah, you are right. Four heavyweights, AJ, Tyson, uh, Fury, that is. Hay and Lewis. Uh, Cruiserweight, Hay did it there as well. Cleverly was the light heavyweight, and then you got Calzaghi, McGee, Frotch, Groves, and uh, Rocky Field in the lightest one. Will there be another one in the not-too-distant future when Callum Smith uh, fights uh, George Groves of the WBA Super Middleweight Championship of the World?
You'll hear it here on TalkSport. You see what I did there? Nice. Brought it back to the TalkSport thing. Um, do stick around. We've got MMA and UFC to talk about. And we're also going to be speaking about the WBA super heavyweight champion of the world. That is Anthony Joshua as he takes on Alexander Povetkin. Uh, again, live on TalkSport in September. Stick around. It's all coming next. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on TalkSport. Uh, welcome to Fight Night on TalkSport. It is your home for boxing every Saturday evening from 9 o'clock for three hours. We sit down and wax lyrical about everything that's going on in the world of fight sports. And if you can't come and join us, because I know it's a Saturday night, you might be at a fight yourself, or you might be out and about doing something different, it is available as a podcast. Please subscribe to it. You can get it on iTunes and you can get it off the TalkSport website if you need an Android feed. Um, now, to come in the next half an hour or so, we are going to talk about mixed martial arts and UFC. Darren Till, Conor McGregor, all on the tip of our tongues. We'll be talking about that, no question, in the final half an hour of the show. But we're going to stick with a bit of boxing for the next half an hour as we look ahead towards a fantastic card uh, at Wembley in September for AJ versus Povetkin. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but Gareth A. Davis uh, has been... Uh, have you been catching up with uh, Adam Booth this week? Is that uh, is that one of the things that you've been up to? I know that you've been speaking to every man and his dog this week, but is Adam Booth one of the guys that you've been catching up with? Indeed, I haven't spoken to Adam for a little while, and obviously he's got those three brilliant fighters in the world bantamweight champion Ryan Burnett at the moment, Michael Conlon and Josh Kelly. I know you're both mm. fans of those two as mm -hmm. well, but uh, it was more to to get Adam's take on you know the the industry and and the mentality he has about uh, the industry he has with his fighters and the kind of that that mentality he has that we we poignantly call him the Dark Lord in the British media. He's got this way of thinking outside the box. And um, it, it, I just wanted to, I wanted to go down to the gym to see Adam, but he he was shopping. He's got four daughters. I think he was shopping for school uniforms and so on. And he'd been on holiday with them, and I was chasing him for a couple of weeks. And I had a really brilliant conversation with him. Um, big interview with Ring Magazine, and again November issue, but. Because he's really rated over there, and I, I, he's one of those trainers. We heard from Joe Gallagher earlier, and Joe's incredible worker with his fighters, and and he's, he, you know, he's like a father figure to them. But Adam Booth is is a very interesting psychologist for me, and we were, we were just talking about how um, he said he, he I, I never knew this about him that he'd he turned pro under Mickey Duff. Uh, uh, as a 17-year-old, you know, and he was trained by the late Dean Powell, who we all loved in boxing. Mm. And um, Adam was saying how he'd broken his leg just before he was about to make his debut playing football because he was skint and he and he needed to play uh, paid football to make a living. And I just loved the fact that Adam said he, he has always had this kind of attitude where he questions everything. And he's gone from gym to contract maker. You know, he did had a great time with David Hay, uh, with George Groves, with, with Andy Lee taking him to a world title, Ryan Burnett, of course. And I think that my view is, after speaking to Adam, that he's one of our... Because he's quite modest in a weird way, and he doesn't put himself out there. He is, I think, one of the unsung 
trainers in British boxing. And I'm really pleased that he's got this triumvirate of, of young fighters he's working with. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but mm. any dealing with Adam Booth is fascinating. No, absolutely. You, you ask him a... I wish he was on the phone right now, because you ask him a, a silly question, and he'll give you a silly answer. He questions every single little detail. And he was telling me how, you know, George Groves, he would say, you know, go for a 45-minute run, and he'd do it. You had to keep chocolate away from him, though. Um, um, with with David Hay, you'd say go for a run, and you'd leave David Hay somewhere on Croydon Common or Clapham Common, and and he'd say meet me back at the gym in forty five minutes. I want you to run back, and he found out that David Hay had jumped on the back of an open top bus um, because he, he he didn't want to run. He but he was watching people all the time. I just love the way Adam is, and he, we were talking about tribal things. We were talking about fight or flight. He, for me, he is clearly one of the great psychologists in the modern game. Yeah, and do you know something? I, I think I went on record last year saying that he had his hands on the most exciting gym at this moment in time. And when Stable. I, yeah, and, and, and when I, and when I said that, I meant the potential that he's in that gym with a with a young talent that he had. Um, was, I mean, it could go on to go and do absolutely crazy things in the game. Obviously, since me saying that, Jamie Moore's gym up in Salford has been doing extremely well. Obviously, Frampton's there now. Rocky Fielding picked up a version of a world title. There's a couple of other lads doing extremely well. You mentioned Joe. There's a couple of great gyms, obviously, the Ingle Gym and all that type of stuff. But for me, if you look at Conlon, you look at uh, Kelly and you look at Burnett, they've all got a particular Adam Booth style. And if you look at when David Hay was with Adam Booth, he had a particular style, that very yeah. twitchy way of going about their business. George Groves had it when he was working with him. Yeah. He, he, he has a, a very, it's quite obvious if you're being trained for me by Adam Booth. Uh, but he's, just listen to this quote from him, okay? Um, we live in a twisted reality we're trying to deconstruct. I find it easier to strip things down to basics, look at us in our natural environment, our natural habitat, and try and find solutions from there. Now, that could be a psychologist talking about any walk of life. Um, and he's always had this this attitude. He said, look, there has to be dis a discipline involved in this sport. There has to be discipline involved in life. A fight is an artificial scenario. Normally, to have a fight, it's an instinctive thing. Mm. Someone has threatened your tribe or taken your food. It would be an immediate thing. We have the chemicals that make us do that, the fight or flight syndrome. We have adrenaline, testosterone, all these things. But what we do in this sport... And, and in combat sports, his two fellas shake hands, sign a contract, and say, we'll see each other in six weeks' time, and we'll have a fight. From the get-go, it's not a natural thing. I think that that kind of attitude that he brings, and that attitude that he will bring to Burnett, to Conlon, um, to Kelly, will only benefit them in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever I've sat down with Adam Booth as well, he, he is a deep thinker, you know. He he, yeah. he, he doesn't he chooses his words really carefully, and I, I respect that about him so much. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I think he's one of the most sought out after trainers in the country. I think every young fighter would uh, would dream and aspire to to join that stable. And I think he's been quite picky there. I think he's got three of the hottest most exciting prospects in British boxing without a shadow of a doubt. Obviously, Burnett's already a world champion, but I think his door and his phone must ring constantly for guys wanting to join the gym, but he's very selective who he works with. Yeah. He only works with uber-talented kids. And the three of those, you'd be surprised if all three of those didn't achieve world title success. And they all live in his house. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, exactly. they're obviously all from so different parts. <laughs> <laughs> they're all from different parts of the world. Two Irish lads there, obviously, and, uh, and one from the northeast, but they're all best in London. 
So they, they all get put up at, uh, at Boothy Towers. They get themselves, uh, well, I would say, full English in the morning, but I know that that's not on the menu when you're training for a fight. So a bit of porridge and what have you. And they genuinely go and live with him for, for the week. They get to go home at the weekends to see their uh, loved ones when they're in camp, and then they're back down Monday morning to crack on. I mean, it's a... Uh, it's, well, a, it's well, a very hands-on approach, well, isn't well, it, Gareth? It is. When you think that, that Adam was in his mid-20s when he started working with David Hay when he was mm. 17, um, I think it's fascinating what he, you know, what he learnt about the industry because, you know, um, he, he said how it was... And, and I remember this with Adam. They didn't trust anyone in the industry and Booth ended up being Hay's manager, his coach, his promoter. Um, and I think what, what he was saying was that he... He, this is a great quote again from him. I think I learned a lot about the business from the gym to the TV networks, figuring a way through it. I met good people and bad people. Some people who would constantly lie and others who would tell the truth, mm. but they all wear the same face. <laughs> and that was the learning curve. And that, though, that is the smokescreen and mirrors in boxing. And, and if it sounds inge- uh, disingenuous <clears throat> as a sport, it's not. It's just, it's a very complex, very creative process box. It's the wild west of business, if you yeah. like. And, and and that's what I find, that's why he's of benefit to his boxers and of benefit to our sport. I think those that are finding themselves successful doing what Adam's doing have, have done everything. So they've been fighters, they've been promoters, they've been trainers, they've been in TV. They've, I mean, look at yeah. Dave Caldwell, Dave he's done all mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. Jamie, to an extent, has done things like that as well. Yeah. That's why they're reaping the benefit because they understand everybody's role within the sport, and therefore they've done them all. <laughs> exactly. Therefore, they can they can they can plot routes for their fighters um, based on all the knowledge that they've mm. gained from all the different aspects of the, of the game. Um, do stick do stick with us because we are going to be talking about the AJ Povetkin card, which is coming up in September. You'll hear that on Talk Sport. You're listening to Fight Night. <laughs> We're talking MMA and UFC in about 15 minutes, so stick around for that. First of all, though, let's stick on the boxing trip because uh, in September it's Anthony Joshua versus Povetkin, and it's not just about those boys, even though it is uh, a big part of the story and a big part of the sell. There is a, there's a couple of fights on the undercard that have, uh, have caught my attention, one of which is uh, Lawrence O'Coley taking on uh, Matty Askin. And I've got a, I'm going to come to you, Nick, on this because I know you're going to love this. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's ever listened to a show that me and Gareth have done with Nick previously... Nick loves the traditional route. He loves an area champion going into Commonwealth and British. English and, oh, he loves all that. He loves, yeah. he loves a traditional route. He doesn't like anybody jumping the queue. He doesn't like that. And he loves the fact that Lawrence O'Coley has decided to give up his belts in order to uh, have a go at the British Championship uh, against Matty Askin. It's a great fight. It's a real test. It's a step up. But it's a fight that he didn't necessarily need to take. No, it isn't. But you know what? This has been the beauty of Lawrence O'Coley's journey so far. This is only his 10th fight. And he's such a young guy. But I don't think he gets the plaudits like Josh Kelly gets or Abuazzi gets necessarily. They're all from the same area. They're all from the same team, Team GB clique. But look at what he's done so far. His wins have been more significant for me than any of their wins. A lot of Eastern Europeans, those guys have been beaten. Lonzo Coley has been fighting, headlining at your call in Southern Area title fights and things like that. He's doing it the hard way for me. You know, fights against Luke Watkins and Isaac Chamberlain. 
that kind of stuff is generating headlines all on its own. He's he's not just on AJ undercards and he's this super talent and he's in against a, a you know an other Eastern European in the opposite corner. This guy's plowing his own trail. He's doing his own thing. He's building up his own kind of following everything else mm. through the traditional route. And that's why I like Akoli so much. I think potentially for me, Akoli's the sleeping giant amongst all these te- former Team GB guys. This kid could be a f- future world champion. In fact, I'll go as far as to say I'll be surprised if he doesn't win a version of the world title. He's a, he's a phenomenal character, isn't he, Gareth? I mean, this is a kid that obviously was watching uh, AJ do his thing whilst he was flipping burgers at McDonald's and then obviously was inspired by Anthony Joshua uh, tearing it up in 2012 and went down the boxing gym, shedded a load of weight and got himself in uh, decent shape and took up boxing and ended up uh, doing bits himself as we're, we're experiencing right now. He's obviously a very powerful kid. He's uh, he's willing to take on any challenge as and when it pops up. The Isaac Chamberlain thing is is probably prime because... So headline the O2 Arena, we found out on the night maybe it's a little bit ahead of where he should have been, but at the end of the day, he didn't back down from the monumental task of doing it. And it was a grudge match, two undefeated lads. And he took the fight on, whereas a lot of people might have gone, well, we'll swerve that and we'll come back to it at a later date. He wasn't bothered. The roadblock was there and he decided to go through it. Yeah, I mean, I think the good thing about this for Lawrence Sicoli is that, you know, he is boxing a guy in, in... Um, in Matty Atkins, Matty Askin, who has a very um, long career. He's boxed, I think it's nearly 140 rounds. Lawrence has only boxed 28 rounds so far. I think it is a step up. Yeah. Um, and I think, yes, yeah, you said, I don't think um, Lawrence would mind me saying this, but when he was flipping those burgers, uh, one of the biggest fast food chains in the world, he weighed nearly 300 pounds at he the time. He was a big boy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's shed as much weight as Tyson Fury shed for to get back in shape, almost 100 pounds, and, you know, literally inspired by Anthony Joshua. That's why Joshua has taken to him promotionally as well. Um, I think the great thing about Lawrence, and, and this is what he's done recently, I remember ribbing him, um, I think it might have even been on our show, how he'd been in um, Floyd Mayweather's crib in recent times yeah. in Las Vegas, and he did a, a jaunt around America and really enjoyed himself. Uh, Lawrence is very modest with us, the media and broadcasters, but he's not modest when it comes to his enemies, rivals, opponents in the ring. I think he's fairly ruthless. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I wondered how he's developing, and I had a chat to Glenn McCrory, uh, you know, obviously one of our broadcast team for the fight mm. nights, and who will be there on the night, of course, um, about Lawrence. And he and Glenn obviously was a former IBF um, cruiserweight champion, and Glenn's convinced that what Lawrence really has, which puts him in the stead of potentially winning a world title down there, and look, he's had seven fights, hasn't it? Nine fights mm. with seven KOs, is that he has this coruscating power, yeah. and he cocks that right hand, and he's ready to throw at any moment. He can change a fight with one punch. I think I think you might have mentioned it on the show before as well, Adam, and Nick, I know Nick's, Nick and I have spoken about this. He's going to be a heavyweight eventually. Yeah. He's a very, very big man. He's six, six five, foot, six, six, isn't six five. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, he's 25. He could still grow. I mean, I, I think this is a brilliant fight for him at this stage in his career. Um, Akoli can lose one and come back. I don't yeah. think he is going to lose. But I think when you look around the world at the moment, he's not ready for the likes of a Tony Bellew yet at Cruiserweight. Oh, no. What a no, fight no, no, that will no, no, be, no. though. Imagine that. Yeah, I think but Bell, you'll be well and truly gone by the time Lawrence is ready for that level. You or, know what I mean? Because or, if yeah. we're honest, we just experienced a World Boxing Super Series where the cruiserweights are out of this world. Yeah. Well, I think we're, what we're saying and what Nick was alluding to there, he's still, you know, 
uh, of an age where he's still learning his trade in 10, 15 fights, yep. he'll be there or thereabouts, whereas Usyk could have gone up. He'll be at heavyweight. Course. And the other lads might have moved on, and therefore that and, division will be wide open once again. Timing could be superb, yeah. His timing could be absolutely on the money. Mm. And I think that's why he's getting the kind of fights he is doing. He is getting to headline his own shows, and he is getting into these grudge matches where the rest of his peers necessarily aren't. I just, everything about this kid I like. I think he's got the narrative to really sell. He's got the power to end fights with a single punch. Yeah. And he's got the size to move up to heavyweights. It's, and he's got a bright future. One thing that I have noticed, and, and you will have noticed this as well, Gareth, because he's been on the show with us. He's got a bit of something about him as well. Oh, he's got the no chat. Question he's got the it. chat that you know, which then transcends to the normal person on the street. They, they, they're interested in him. They want to know a little yeah. bit more about yeah. him rather than yeah. just the guy that's the fighter. Look, the great thing, absolutely. I mean, I, I find him a very sweet man. He, he, he can take a joke as well. Because when I said that, you know, when he fought Isaac Chamberlain, it, it wasn't British beef. It ended up being, you know, corned beef hash because they didn't really go at it as a war. Yeah, he took that he, well, he took didn't he? It, he, he, he took he's, it well. he's got no, he's got no ego about him in that sense. And he, he's a learner. He's a sponge. He's soaking stuff up. But you know the greatest thing for me about this test on September the 22nd on that card is that, you know, Matty Askin, he's not in the world's um, rankings with the WBO at the moment. He's 15 with the WBA, Lawrence. Um, Matty Askin's 12 with the WBO. A win in this fight puts him in two weight, uh, in two sanctioning bodies, mm. top 15s. And what that means is they can start to play around with the names and the numbers and start to give him, you know, um, chief support cards on big, big cards and draw, you know, some of these, you know, bigger names, not ready for a Murat Gassiev yet, but no, maybe no. ready for an Andre Fonfara or, you know, a Lumba Makabu um, in a couple of fights' time. These kind of guys who, Christoph Glowacki, these kind of guys who, you know, Askins fought him, of course, kind of fighters that he can start to peg his name on the notches of the ladder. I don't think it'll be 15 fights. I think it'll only be... A year and a half before he fights for a world title. End of next year, beginning of 2020, would not surprise me to see him in world title fights. Just keep fighting on them, AJ, on the cards. There's, exactly. enough, there's enough fans in there to find out who you are when you're fighting on one of them. Uh, another guy that's going to be fighting on that AJ undercard is Luke Campbell. We're all big fans of Luke. He's taking on a man that has previously beaten him in Ivan Mendy. Uh, a final eliminator for the WBC lightweight title. Uh, and don't get me wrong, the lightweight division is lit at this moment in time. Uh, but Luke Campbell, Ivan Mendy is a wonderful, wonderful fight. We know what Luke was going through previous uh, when these guys had met originally. A lot of stuff going on outside of the ring, obviously with illness in his family and various things like that. Um, I think... He's in a totally different headspace right now. He's just uh, switched Changed gyms. Again. Yeah, 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 he's just switched gyms. He's now working with Shane McGuigan. Um, even though he lost to Jorge Linares, he comes out of that fight with an awful amount of credit. And I think yeah. without the knockdown in that fight, it might have been a totally different outcome. Um, and he would have gained an awful amount of confidence from that, Nick. Yeah, of course he was. You know, I think it'd be nice to see this next generation of him as well. You know, this movement forward. I think he himself needs to put this Mendy one to bed. You know, this this loss that he suffered, it was a massive shock at the time, of course, when he lost to Mendy first time around. Mendy's no mug, though. No, absolutely no. not. But, uh, you know, I think at the time, it was still a big shock. He yeah. was, the you know, the Olympic gold medalist. Yeah, of course. He was going to be in fast track to a world title, and then suddenly, uh, you know, he ran into that decision, lost to Mendy. Well, he got dropped again, didn't he? against Mendy and was unable to recover really and get the points back on the board I think moving trainers now with Shane McGuigan really interesting obviously Shane again has, has been there and done it now he's another this is the other great thing 
this country right now is just littered with fantastic trainers, mm. you know, guys with young guys as well, but with so much potential. And with another 20, 30 years in the game, that you know, God only knows what they're going to achieve long term. I, I think him moving over there as well, we're going to see another another complete look of Luke Campbell. I think he's got the potential to dominate this lightweight division mm. on a what, global uh, scale. Yeah, mm. yeah. He I needs ju- a big performance against Mendy first. I, I agree. Well, I think you know it needs to be a big performance. He needs to win. But I really like the things that. Um, Shane McGuigan has has highlighted that he wants to see Luke do, which is just bulk up his body a little bit in the right areas. I think that's absolutely right, and not be not try and be a pressure fighter, but just be very comfortable on the inside when he fights with, with other fighters. He's a very long, natural southpaw. He's got incredible attributes. Um, you know, he's got a, he's got a powerful punch. Look, we we saw him. We know how good Jorge Linares is. He yeah. came within a whisker of defeating yeah. Jorge Linares. It was a very close fight. And as you say, Nick, if he hadn't been down early in the fight, he could have taken Linares. And it was probably a little early for him to fight him. But I really like Shane McGuigan is brilliant in in very technical aspects of bringing a fighter on from where they're at. I've always loved Luke Campbell. I love his goal um, post-boxing Hull. <laughs> I'm a big all fan. I love the city of Hull. I, 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 Luke Campbell, for me, was one of the stars of the Olympic Games in London. He's our most decorated amateur in history, remember. He won everything virtually. Um, so, you know, for me, he just got rushed. He, what happened was he started well as a pro. He turned pro in that swathe of, uh, uh, you know, under under Eddie Hearn with, with at the same time as Anthony Joshua. And then they just rushed him on a little bit too quick. And when we had him on the show last week or the week before, he was saying the notebook's out again. He makes notes about everything. And he, the, the, the vim and the vigor and the fires lit under him again. And I think it was a good move to Shane McGuigan for me. Uh, looking forward to him being in action on that AJ Povetkin undercard in September, uh, of which you're going to hear live and exclusive on TalkSport. Don't be going anywhere. We've still got quite a lot to get through in the final half an hour of the show as we turn our attention towards UFC and mixed martial arts. Obviously, Conor McGregor's back in town. Darren Till's got a world title on the horizon in Dallas, Texas. And there's lots going on in the world of Bellator as well. Make sure you stick around. It's fight night on TalkSport. <laughs> You listen to Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis and Nick Pete. And it's not just boxing that we talk about. The clue is in the title. We talk about anything connected to fight sports. And that, of course, includes uh, UFC and mixed martial arts. I was sat on the beach last week enjoying myself. You know what I mean? Just catching a few rays, drinking a pina colada. I thought, Do you know something? I'll check up on my social media, see if it's happened yet. First tweet I see, Gareth A. Davis's long locks getting all excited about Conor McGregor versus Khabib. I know you probably talked about it last week, lads, but I don't care. I'm going in again. <laughs> I'm going in again. He's one of those fights that everybody's excited about. And the UFC needed him, Gareth, didn't they? We don't have any superstars right now. Conor McGregor is the superstar. October the 6th, it's time to get excited again. Yeah, I think we are looking at the, Nick and, and Adam, we're looking at the biggest mixed martial arts pay-per-view event in history. I think it'll be approaching 2 million pay-per-views when this takes place. God forbid either of them gets an injury and pulls out mm. because there's so much excitement. The fans, the punter, the, pun- the pundits, the punters, the casuals, everybody now wants to see this fight. I remember when, when Conor McGregor 
decided that he would face Nate Diaz for a second time. And I thought he was crazy. But look what he did. Went through the same tunnel of pain, emerged the other end and beat him. There is genius in this man's bones. I think he's come back at the right time. It's an extraordinary fight. And you know what? Khabib has shown his mental weakness already by saying, why are they making this a money fight at my expense? That is mental weakness. He's worried now he's not going to get enough money. Conor McGregor will get probably 25 million US dollars or more for this contest. And you know what? I just got a feeling that left hand is going to do the trouble. Mm. Just Just on that, right? regarding money and various things like that because obviously they've invested a lot in getting Conor McGregor back and if this fight doesn't happen for whatever reason it could be a catastrophe however as well as seeing your tweet Gareth regarding that particular fight I did see my uh, colleague here Nick Pete's tweet regarding Nate Diaz uh, training for a fight a month later can we read anything into that gentleman that that he he might be used as a backup just in case Khabib doesn't make weight because we've seen him not make weight before haven't we exactly Khabib's got a history of it you know there was Tiramisu gates for a start (laughs) (laughs) Tiramisu the day before the weigh-in and and then failed to make weight Um, he has got a history of it he comes from a camp that's deep rooted in missing in pulling out of fights, aka all the guys in there, you know, if they're not a hundred percent. Plus, the other way to look at it is Khabib's the champion now. Khabib is the guy holding the belt. Mm. So if he's not a hundred percent for whatever reason, I would expect him to pull out of this fight. One thing we do know, and history has, has told us as much, Conor McGregor won't pull out. No. Conor McGregor will turn up on the night, which means that categorically the UFC will have somebody else lined up. And he'll October accept 6th. it. And of course he'll accept it. Even if it's a week, two weeks, of course we've he will. seen him do it on five Tony days. Ferguson's previously. back in training now. You know, I think Ferguson. Ferguson, Poirier, no, Nate Diaz, Nate. any want, of those guys. I want Nate Diaz, that's what I want. <laughs> any of those guys are certainly in the mix. Nate so. Diaz, gents, wants Nate Diaz as well. Yeah. I mean, it, his <laughs> walkout of the announcement on the big screen behind him was classic, wasn't, wasn't it? it? Classic kind of, and I say, my rule is I will say to anyone uh, what I say on air or write, and, and Nate behaved like a baba in this case, <laughs> honestly. Um, but Nate said he'd answer my call, and I said, well, if you don't, I'll come around to Stockton, I'll do what you do in Stockton. Um, but the, the, the thing is... You, the, the, the long-haired the, gangster from the... <laughs> <laughs> but the, no, I, I did say his face, I, I walked away afterwards thinking, that was a rather stupid thing to say to, to Nate. I think Diaz, so, my friend, yeah. <laughs> thank, thank God we weren't in Stockton at the time. No, but like you say... Um, Nate Diaz would be uh, a viable replacement because people would love the trilogy yeah. fight. Yeah. There's no question about that. But you know what? The Dolly incident in New York, oh, man, the pictures yeah. from New York, the trials and tribulations, Khabib saying he wants to rearrange Connor's face, the mental toughness. He's unbeaten, of course. I'm going, by the way, the minute the Joshua fight, Anthony Joshua fight is over when we broadcast on that in September the 22nd. Yeah. I fly to San Jose. Well, hang on a minute. He's not on till October 6th. How long are you doing? Well, You're doing what? two weeks out there. Flipping, I am. Eh, I am. Because I'm, I'm doing um, Gegard Mousasi against Rory McDonald in, in San Bellator, Jose yeah. in the Bellator week. And on the Monday Look and the this. Tuesday, I'm going to American Kickboxing Academy yeah. would see Jav Mendes and to see the boys I'm going to be in Khabib's camp look at him. for two days look at him we've been I, dropped we've I, been dropped no, for two no, weeks I Con- am Con- give Con- you... Connor's wafted it he's in I'm going to give you <laughs> chapter and verse on what's going on there and, and on that night um, when we do the, the fight night show on the uh, the 28th or the 29th uh, look the 29th it'll be won't it but the point being that 
I've got a feeling that by the time Khabib comes to fight Connor, he's going to do the same as Jose Aldo and the same as so many other guys, Diego Brandao and others, who get emotional when they fight Connor because he is completely impervious to nerves. He he is so incredible, and I do think he's inside Khabib's head. I don't know if you agree with me, but I really think he is. Do you know something? I, I genuinely think he's only got two rounds, Connor, to do this. Because of just the work rate, the, the the stamina that Khabib has proven down the years, he is relentless. He, 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 there's a potential that Conor could get absolutely ragdolled for five rounds here. But as Gareth rightly points out, I've, I've I've thought that he might not be able to pull stuff off in the past, and he's just managed to do it. I mean, the yeah. famous one is against Jose Aldo, the, probably the best featherweight of all time, and he did him in 13 seconds with an unbelievable shot because, as Gareth just said, Jose got emotionally involved. Do, do you yeah. know what's weird, Nick? Um, it, um, Adam, the, the thing that what really, really kind of, it's almost supernatural now, the, the, my belief in him, because the night before he beat up Jose Aldo in 13 seconds, as you say, knocked him clean out, Lance Pugmire from the LA Times and I crept behind the stage. We got in trouble with the UFC that day. That surprises me. That really does surprise me, After the weigh-ins, we (laughs) went to see Cav, John Kavanagh, and Connor, and we had two minutes with with Connor. And in my preview, you can go back and check it, and in Lance's LA Times piece, Connor said... I'm going to ghost between him in the, mm. in the space between him, watch him rush me and watch me knock him out with a left hand. And he described exactly what he was going to do. And and I tell you what, it's freaky. not... It, it's, well, it I is think, freaky. I think he... I think Kavanaugh is a guru. I think he's a, a... I think he's almost a savant when it comes to putting fight plans together. He's so relaxed. He accepts defeat, of course, because anyone can lose in MMA. Mm. But these guys are something special. And you go back... And Nick remembers this, I know. Michael Johnson hit Khabib again and again and again on the night that Connor knocked out Eddie Alvarez at Madison Square Garden with yeah. left hands. He mm. hit him so easily. I agree with you. Connor's got to get it done early. For me, he gets it done end of the first or the or, or a couple of minutes into the second round. He's got to get it done. Naughty. Otherwise, he will get wrestled to the ground, like you say. Oh, mate. So, oh, you've got me. We've got months yet. Chill. Listen, we've, we've got we, a great we were September excited yet. about this on last week's show. You were still away. <laughs> me and Gareth were already getting excited. We were. We were. Mm. Well, listen, it's so easy to get excited because... You know, once we get Tyson Fury out of the way next weekend, we get a massively busy September. Yeah. And it's yeah. October before we know it. Amir Khan coming up. We're doing that on, on Fight Night, of course, live. Mm. You know, then we go, we've got Golovkin and, and Canelo the week after that. Then it's Joshua. Then it's um, Groves and Smith. And then we're into Connor already. So yeah. It, yeah. it's kind of, it's coming up very quickly. And starting all that off, your mate Darren Till, uh, Nicholas, starts it all yeah. off right at the start of the September, uh, September. September 8th over in Dallas, Texas, taking on Talon Woodley for the uh, welterweight championship of the world. I saw a picture. Have you seen the poster? The poster, yeah. It's insane, the poster's it? insane for this UFC <laughs> event, right? Because Till looks like he stood on a step. He's absolutely massive. It was like that when they met them in real yeah, life. Yeah, it was. It was. And what the one question I have, right? You know him inside and out. A lot's mm-hmm. been made of weight. You've asked him questions about weight. He yep. missed it big time last time, and we've seen all the videos of him trying to make weight. He is massive. Yep. Will he make weight? Of course he will. He's got to make weight, hasn't he? Otherwise, he doesn't fight for the title. I don't think he's going to come this far in his career and not make weight. I think 
getting him away from Liverpool. I know he's back in Liverpool temporarily at the moment, but they're just waiting for his visa to come through and they're going to go straight back to the States as soon as possible. They're going to the Institute, aren't they? They're going to go back to Vegas to the Institute, yeah, and prepare there and get him in shape. You know, a lot of the work's been done. But if you look at pictures of him now on his Instagram, social media, as I say, I caught up with him on earlier this week. Uh, He is a lot lighter than he was last time anyways. You know, he's ahead of the curve, if you like. He's Mm. happy where he is. As coach Colin Heron's happy where he is weight-wise. And I think they just want to get away from the UK media and also the Liverpool distractions at home just so they can focus on the job and switch on to it and then there's you know he owns a he owns a pizza shop in Liverpool yeah, as does. you know you need to get him as far away from that pizza yeah, shop yeah, yeah. as possible it's, it's not doing anything for my waistline <laughs> let me tell you mate I've been in there a couple of times still no discount Darren just in case you're listening you know how, you know how I roll um, but on that card which we're all excited about Gareth um, in Dallas Texas what a wonderful opportunity and this kind of emulates a little bit of Connor not too much Connor but just a little bit of Connor of any, fighting anywhere, anybody, any particular time. Darren fully knows that he's probably not in line for a world title shot, but Colby Covington was. Colby Covington, for some reason, didn't want that shot and up steps the scouser. Yeah, I mean, I think he's having surgery as well, isn't he? I mean, I think, I mean, Darren has made himself the right man in the right place at the right time. Yes, he didn't make weight in Liverpool. I mean, he was brilliant against Wonderboy Thompson that night. And it's clear that he carries a card so well. Mm. I, I've, I've enjoyed the few times. I don't know Darren as well as Nick, but I have really... Really enjoyed being around him the few times that I have yeah. been around. There is an electricity about him. There's an energy that comes off him. Yeah. There's a confidence that is so beautiful. There's a beautiful brutality, if I can put it that way, mm. about Darren Till. He's a man who... He's got to have a great game plan against Tyron Woodley, who has an extraordinary record that he's not given full credit for, in my view. He, he has got an amazing streak of victories. I mean, it's fascinating at the moment because, you know, I mean, I'm about to go and cover the... the the beginning of the Bellator welterweight tournament as well. And they've got eight brilliant welterweights. I would love at the end of it, uh, the, the Bellator welterweight tournament for the Bellator champion and the UFC champion to come together. Now, that would be a super fight. Ain't going to happen, is it? Because it's like, you know, Showtime and and HBO come together sometimes. BT Sport and and Sky Mm. may come together for Anthony Joshua. It's like Danny Dyer turning up on Coronation Street. Exactly. That's what it is. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) No, if he turned up on Coronation Street, the world really would be exploding. But, you know, what I love about Till in this fight is, like you say, he went there, he, he went to America, he, he, he looked Tyron Woodley in the eye, and you could really see the mutual respect yeah, with, yeah. with the two guys. They were and, concerned, you know, Gareth, they didn't actually want uh, they didn't want them to meet. You know, the, the team Cowboy and Colin Heron, as you know, he's a, he's a real master of the of the psychological warfare. And they but truly believed that not going to New York and not standing in front of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson worked to their advantage because when Wonderboy finally got to Liverpool and met Darren Till for the first time and looked up at the shadow that was cast over him, <laughs> he, he was really intimidated. <laughs> he, they didn't want Darren Till to go to America and meet Tyron Woodley at this point because then everyone, including Tyron Woodley, can see the size difference in this guy you know he's a, he's a light heavyweight getting into a welterweight body it's I insane agree. Mm. i agree and do you know what what i'm really looking forward to in this contest is the way the two coaches play this out colin heron who i've loved and admired for many years and equally duke rufus yeah. the t- they, they are two they're obviously deep down they're both striking coaches yeah. both strikers both muay thai and and, and kickboxing guys and 
I really do hope that they they kind of have strategic plans and we see one of the great striking battles of all time in mixed martial arts. We may very well get this in this fight. Only a couple of weeks. Well, one month. One month this week. The anniversary. So start the countdown on the old calendar without any shadow of a doubt. Uh, we're going to continue our chat on mixed martial arts uh, in the next 15 minutes of the show because obviously, as Gareth just mentioned, there, there's a lot going on in the world of Bellator as well. There's still little bits going on in UFC of which we will touch upon. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. Fight Night with Adam Catterall on TalkSport. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis, Nick Pete. Uh, this bit about mixed martial arts. We just had a little bit of uh, a chat about the UFC and Conor McGregor and Darren Till. Just another quick one before we get stuck into a bit of Bellator. I don't know if you've seen, boys, uh, but TJ Dillashaw, after a fantastic performance against Cody Garbrandt, one has said that he'll carry on whooping Cody Garbrandt's backside as long as everybody will pay him to do so. And uh, not only that, we might get a crossover fight. Yeah, him and uh, Javon. Tank, him and Javon versus TJ. Yeah, they're having a little bit of a go on I social know, 12, media. Twelve months on from May Mac. Tank TJ looks like it could be setting up perfectly. What do you reckon? The two of them are going for it. Javonta Davis is certainly going for Leave it. it. Leave I think, it. I think it's because there's a relationship between TJ Dillashaw and Lomachenko. Lomachenko yeah. And I think Tank is thinking if I run through TJ Dillashaw, it might unlock a Lomachenko fan. But whew, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, leave it. Don't want it. I don't want it. I've had enough of them crossovers now. Let's just stick to uh, your discipline and you stick to your discipline. And speaking of which, mixed martial arts uh, and Bellator, a uh, lot going on uh, with these welterweights, Gareth, as you just alluded to. It's a fantastic tournament, which we're all excited about but first of all are we going to get to see it in the uk on the television well i had dinner this my business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments then tap to pay on iphone and stripe came along and changed everything with tap to pay on iphone and stripe i streamlined my payment process effortlessly now i can accept in-person contactless payments right from my iphone no extra hardware required What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. week with with Scott Coker and um, in London he was over here specifically from uh, the United States to meet Viacom executives in the UK to talk about um, the, the 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 possible TV deals as they run out a new series and yeah. they've signed 24 fighters and they're about to sign I believe another 15 they're basically creating a wholesale series here but I began by asking about the new signings to Bellator and the potential TV deal over here in the UK, which we all want, of course. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've been very busy, and uh, the um, uh, you know the the signing of all these athletes really is 
so we can have a UK and uh, uh, Western Europe series. and Ireland yeah. Bay yeah. Series because there is tremendous talent here, and I think people uh, will appreciate that. And you know, the fight, the fighters here, they, they bring it, they scrap. You know, mm. in Hawaii we call it they scrap, right? Mm. And um, so, to me, it's it's like look, we're we're gonna do the series. Uh, we have a few things to iron out on the TV side because, again, we want to we want to be live live, right? Well, um, so on that question then, yeah. Paul Daly and MVP, are we going to get that live in the UK, regardless of what time it is, where they fight in America yeah. or here? Is it going to be live on that, British TV? That, I, I feel that we will be able to by the time that comes around. I think we will be able to. It's still very up in the air, it sounds, Gareth, which is a shame because, as you just rightly pointed out, that fight there between huge. Paul Daly and yeah, Michael Venom Page yeah. is absolutely huge, especially for the yeah. British fight fans. It's got to happen in the UK as well, surely. Well, I can't reveal too much about that, but it could be Come on, very Gareth. unusual. No, I can't because I'll, I'll get shot. Um, but the thing is this. Um, what I know is... Um, and, I, and I actually checked with Scott Coker just before the show tonight because we had... Uh, uh, dinner there in a very swanky location on Park Lane. There were cheers, lots, me, mate. Lots, yeah, we, we, we were. I, I yeah, think, I think I'd finished. You weren't paying then, were you not? No, I right. wasn't. I wasn't. And I, th I think I'd already had a fourteen-ounce steak at yeah. that point. But the um, but the, I checked him again tonight before the show, and he said the meetings were brilliant. Um, it's all about getting stuff live, and that's what yeah. our conversation was over dinner. Because I said to him that. There's a massive opportunity. They arguably, Paul Daly and Michael Venom Page is arguably the one of the best ever all British matchups we've ever seen in MMA. Certainly to get excited about. Um, yes, it should happen in this country, in my view. Um, obviously, they've got the DAZONE deal, which is the welterweight tournament. Um, so. There's also the series. They're going to start from February next year. It's guaranteed they're going to start that series. Mm -hmm. And they're looking at a terrestrial channel. I said to him, look, it's as simple as this. You've got an audience that loves MMA here. There's an audience that will stay up in the middle of the night. It's not massive. But when you have the right names, you get massive audiences. And it doesn't matter. If Paul Daly against MVP was on at 3 in the morning, you would still get a huge audience watching live in the UK because it's a fight that's well overdue. And if they do it very soon, it's not gone beyond its due date, like no, an Amicon and a Kelbrook. It's still very hot. Because what we want to know is... And and you're I've seen Nick tweet about this before. Is Michael Venom Page yeah. legit? Yeah, and if that's he, it. exactly. Is and he if, for real? Exactly. And if he beats Paul Daly, he goes massively up the ladder. Yes, People absolutely. will say, "Oh, he's legit now." Yeah. And let's see then where, how he matches against a, a Douglas Lima, yeah, um, a Rory McDonald. Because if he's legit, Gareth, seriously, if Michael Page is legit. UK could be home to the next Anderson Silva. Exactly. But Good is he call. legit? That's the problem. Exactly. We just don't know. And this yeah. tournament will will find out for sure whether he is legit or not. Yeah. That's yeah. it. You know. Yeah. So we, we we've got to see it, and we've got to see it live. The fact that he's Scott is talking to Viacom. Does that mean it will be on a Viacom product, or Viacom are doing negotiations with other TV and trying to poke you now, Gareth? Because Viacom yeah. obviously have got Channel Five, Spike TV, Paramount, MTV. MTV. Yeah. These are all channels in the UK. Or will they are they negotiating with other could it could it be somewhere completely different? For instance, BT Sport, who are about to lose UFC at the end of the year. Yeah, it could be. They are. They're talking to um <laughs> okay. They're, they're, he's talking to Viacom executives about Viacom's own channels, but he's also talking to Viacom's executives because they own Bellator, remember? Yeah. About yeah. their about that to their sales force. So they are talking, believe it or not, 
to ITV's box office. Yeah. They're talking to um, BT Sport. They're talking to Sky Sports. Yeah. They're talking to... The Sky one makes more sense because the Zone and Matchroom, they've done that deal in the States and they're all on the same channel over there. Yeah. And obviously all that, the boxing side of that, is going yeah. to be on Sky. But then again, so does ITV with World Boxing Super Series, so the ITV deal would also make sense as We well. just want a channel, man. I know, well, I, I don't care. I think, I think it, it doesn't... If they got... We've seen it with the UFC in the past. Mm. It doesn't... Everything doesn't necessarily need to be on one channel. It's better if it is. But, for example, if the... It's just for, better for fans, isn't it? For it, subscriptions, because you is. don't want to be paying about 25 different subscriptions no, no, it is, to it. But, for example, if the, if the localised series is on Channel 5 on a Friday evening, for example, mm. right? And it's from the Copper Box, and it's from the Genting Arena in Birmingham, it's from the Liverpool Echo Arena, when it's a slightly bigger one with, 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 uh, with kind of developing names on there. Yeah. Um, and um, if, it's, if that's on Channel 5, but, for example, the, the Welterweight series that's on DAZN in America yeah. is on ITV Box Office, or, or it's on, you know, even if on Sky Box Office... That's not an issue. If people want to pay for it, they will. But at least you can pay for that and you can watch it live. If not, they need to find a way of streaming it on YouTube or Facebook in this country because that DAZN deal is Australia, Switzerland, Germany, yeah. Japan, uh, the USA. So, I, I mean, I have, honestly, gents, like you, I am... They're fed up of me asking these questions. They're fed up of me annoying them with yep. the questions. I said, I've got to ask you again. Every single time I'm live with them at a press conference, I ask for the British fans, when are you going to show these things live? You don't realise there is an audience hungry to watch MMA, but they want to watch it live. You know, And then it stops people going on illegal streams and this, that, and the other. It's nothing worse than that. And there is the opportunity to grow this sport. And also, you know, the fact that, you know, the, the UFC, when Connor does well, when Michael Bisping does well, even people like Ross Pearson, those kind of guys, when they did well, what did they do? They took them to America. You know, and Bellator seem to have a strategy of wanting to create this market. Um, and there are good fighters. That I mean, might be I the Anthony Joshua effect, might not it? Maybe they're looking at that, thinking, wait a minute, you don't have to take uh, your British fighters transatlantic anymore because Anthony Joshua has changed the, changed the game. Absolutely. And also, you know, I, I've interviewed a few of the, the guys they've signed recently. I don't know if you... There's Terry Brazier, who's an ex-soldier, um, suffer, who suffered PTSD in, in uh, serving in Helmand in, in Afghanistan, um, who's a fantastic fantastic fighter um, and, and it's going to be really really interesting and he can really fight um, there's, there's a lot of you know, who do you fancy for this tournament Gareth who's your, your one top pick um, out of all the guys in the welterweight tournaments it depends if MVP's legit, mate. That's where I'm that, at. Well, that's you know, it. You know, Obviously, that's that's the case. We just don't know yeah, yeah. whether he whether he belongs in this field yeah, or yeah. whether I, he surpasses this field. We, I, we just don't know. I think Spartan Koreshkov is really, really dangerous. There's something kind of chilling about him. Yeah. No emotion. He he's got incredible skills. Um, I, I my my feeling is I want to see whether Michael Venom Page is legit. Listen, Me too. like you say, if he, if he wins this tournament, I mean, how how does Michael Venom Page beat a Rory McDonald whose nuts and bolts are so tight in the way that he fights? I mean, if he could knock that guy out, I mean, you're talking like about you say, superstar status, man. You are talking really about. talking about superstar status. You're talking about a guy who's suddenly going to be commanding half a billion dollars, half a million dollars per fight from. Bellator if he beat if he wins if, that tournament because if, you said it if. exactly but you said it Nick you are looking at an Anderson Silva type fighter you know? potentially um, yeah exactly, potentially exactly. my tip for that tournament by the way 
the absolute novice in the tournament, Ed Roof. He's only had six fights, but he's had six stoppage wins. Mm. Former wrestling standout, jiu-jitsu black belt, absolute beast. I'll go on here. That's my tip. Yeah, and you know what? His family his family own a mattress factory as well. There you go. There's a little bit of info for you. I'll tell you what, I've been around Ed a little bit. <laughs> What's that got to do with no, He used to be on his back. He used to be on his back. He used to be on his back, exactly. <laughs> but the funny... <laughs> what a great line. Well, but, but the funny thing about Ed Ruth is... I mean, I've watched him live now about three times, and he's trying to develop his striking. Um, he, you know, he works with Crazy Bob Cook, who Aaron Pico works with, and again, he's an AKA guy, remember? Yeah. Um, so um, the thing is about Ed Ruth, when the chips are down, he can rely on being one of the greatest wrestlers ever to, develop, to come out of the collegiate system in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they're really struggling against great fighters, wrestlers can prove very, very difficult. He's massive at welterweight. Um, and like, like you say, that is a very, very good call, Nick. Um, and I think he fights... Um, who does he fight first? Is it Neiman Gracie? Neiman in the, Gracie first, In the first yeah. round, yeah. That's a very good shout. And if fans are listening, have a look at the odds on, on Ed Ruth to win that tournament. There you go. Um, well, we've got a little bit of time to wait for that one. Lots coming up in the world of mixed martial arts over the next month or so, of which we're going to be speaking about here uh, on Fight Night. Gents, pleasure as always. Thank you very much for your time. If you've only just joined this show, I don't know where you've been this evening, maybe out for a bit of dinner or a few pints or whatever, and you're listening to this on your way home, uh, it is available as a podcast. It'll be available on the TalkSport website uh, on Monday, so make sure you download it and subscribe and come back to us week by week. Uh, we'll be back next week. <laughs> 